Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Well, the big news of the day, Charlie Brewer is out of here. I have to go back and dig up the numbers on Jack Tuttle. Quickest exit? It's a close call. I think Brewer got out before Tuttle, though. I think he's the new champion. This leads to a whole lot of questions, a lot of speculation. Maybe it doesn't really matter. It does resolve some issues. Cam Rising is starting. (laughs) I mean, I think we already knew that, but it's a definitive answer now. Cam Rising is starting. Why was Cam Rising chosen as a captain, but Charlie Brewer was chosen as a starting quarterback? Did the coaches think it was kind of a toss-up, but that Rising would stay and Brewer would leave, and they wanted to make sure that he stayed? Did the team never really buy into Charlie? Is that why they went with Cam? I don't know. There's a lot of questions out there. And what ultimately matters is do you win the games and Charlie Brewer is gone and Cam Rising is staying and everything else is details. And you can dig into it if you really like the soap opera. But I think Ben Simmons and the Philadelphia 76ers are going to provide us with an excellent soap opera here. So you may want to put all your energy into that. I'm not clear. Uh, what we will do in this segment is let you hear from the Utes, especially the Utes around this who are um, impacted by this, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Um, let's start with Kyle Whittingham uh, talking about Brewer and the day's news. And it's it's always short on Tuesday because you got to go do the coach's show. So it's, it's real quick here. It's about three minutes of Kyle with the media, which honestly is – about 60 to 90 seconds more than you usually get with him on a Tuesday. Uh, here's Kyle Whittingham with the media. Uh, that happened uh, yesterday. Charlie uh, had made the decision that he was uh, in his best interest to move on, and uh, he thought about it for a day and uh, confirmed it today, but, but presented it yesterday. Did you have a conversation with him all, or did you just listen? Oh, we had a conversation, you bet. Did you present pros and cons or anything? Absolutely. You always do. You know, you give him advice and tell him the way you see it. And uh, he felt it was in his best interest to, to get to a new place. Did he voice frustration with the decision to start camp? Uh, no, we didn't talk about that. It was just talking about his future. Not that you'd have any regrets, but have you learned anything as far as the transfer portal with quarterbacks? Uh, that they they go in a lot, and, and that's probably the position that has the most you know activity as far as uh, by ratio, if that makes sense. So, in other words, you got five O-linemen that start, just one quarterback. There's probably as many quarterbacks as O-linemen total in the, in the uh, portal. And so that, that is a position that's uh, very fluid and a lot of movement at that position. How ready do you feel like uh, Jack Quinton Jackson is if he has to step well, in there? Well, he was sharp today, and uh, we feel that he has gotten much better in the time that he's been here. Uh, the injury that he had in fall camp that slowed him down, it kept him out about six weeks, nah, about four weeks, was uh, unfortunate because he would have been further ahead had he not had that injury. Do you have a 13? Bryson Barnes. 13 quarterback, yeah, yeah. Bryson Barnes. Will Peter Dress? Uh, doubtful. Doubtful. And then uh, you, you you also named your starting running back uh, and then kind of the, the pecking order with that. So who's who's the number three and number four as far as running well, that's, backs? That's based on practice and performance, yeah. And so right now we're still working through that and, and uh, see who has the best work today, tomorrow, and Thursday. Do you see any merit to like what you did with Tyler Huntley? Start him as a sophomore, have him develop, and then as a senior he really had a huge season as opposed to going with these one-and-done guys? Well, there's merit to that too. You know, The bottom line is – who gives you the best chance to win right now? Um, I guess you could say, well, we're going to you know, just look towards two or three years down the road, but that's not, that's not how most football coaches operate, not how any of them operate that I know of. And so uh, 
you know, it's who gives you the best chance. When we made the decision to start Charlie, I had told everybody all fall camp that it was neck and neck. It was it was that close, and it was the experience that Charlie brought to the table that really was the difference maker. One more question. It was was the, the the big thing now with Cam is is how mobile he is, and and, and really showing that off on Saturday is what kind of help helps make this this choice well, to start him. When he came in, and gave us a spark and moved the team. You know, he threw three touchdown passes and and uh, did show some mobility, as you said. That's another strength of his. And uh, he just we just felt as a staff that he came in and and uh, did exactly what we hoped he would do. It didn't happen right away. Like I said, after the game, it took him a couple series to settle in. But once he got uh, in a rhythm, he was very good. All right, there is Kyle Whittingham. Uh, his take. Now here's the starting quarterback, a guy who seems locked in and. Man, he'd better stay healthy now, huh? Uh, here is Cam Rising. The O-line needs to be good. Cam Rising got hit too much against San Diego State. If you're a Ute fan and you've got worries and issues over this, I get it. I really do. <laughs> I absolutely get it. they got to protect him. they got to keep him upright because then where do you go? I mean, you go to a freshman and you got no experience and, oh, yikes. So, all right, here's Cam Rising with the media. I just asked Fred about the change when you came to the ball game. What was that time leading up to that like? And then what was it like once you entered the game, first couple of series, and then when the fourth quarter began? Um, it was rough on the start. You know, we, we did not come out and execute and play football like, like we play football. And, and we shot ourselves in the foot, and it put us in a bad situation, and we just had to battle back. And that's pretty much just what, what, we, what we tried to do and try to get accomplished at that point. What's key, you feel like, this week to kind of getting that reverse and getting off to a better start? Uh, just play with swagger. I, I think this is a team that has athletes from top to bottom, running back room, receiver room, tight end room, O-line room. We, we got we got everything that we need in this on this team right now and just making sure that we go out there and play with swagger from the get-go. Tempo is a word that's been used an awful lot. You played with it in that fourth quarter because you had to. What about playing with it earlier in the game to change things up or to even get you guys jump started um i don't i don't call the plays it, i get those from the press box and then they they come down to me so it's up to them what, what, what we want to do this week but do you think it could help um i'm 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 here for, to run whatever they want me to run that's 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 all i got to say about that yeah you, you were you know put in an impossible situation in a lot of ways to come in and, and kind of get the team out of a situation where they couldn't do anything you know how hard was it knowing you know you got to get in there. You got to do this, but be able to just trust yourself and not push it too much. Well, it wasn't hard because you have, you have guys out there that are that are working, getting open, and making sure that the O line is sort of blocking and, and doing a great job. And, and it really, it really showed dividends when once that all started to happen. And just just make sure that the, the athletes touch the ball so they, they can make the plays because they're the playmakers. Coaches have talked about you know wanting to get that offense that that you ran once you came into the game. You know, I, what does that say to you knowing that that's kind of what they want to do? They want to be able to have that high-tempo offense. They want to be able to to work in that same type of manner. Like, yeah, what, is just, it, what does just, it mean to you just to know like they have that trust in you and just be able to know that you were able to kind of generate that? Um, it just, just allows me to play free and, and really just make sure that, that the team is firing all, on all cylinders and just make sure I'm leading and, and being there for everyone and just facilitating Facilitating the ball, pretty much. How much is that sort of pace of place suited to your game? How much are you suited to that pace of play? Uh, I've, I've been doing it for a while. I actually 
first year playing quarterback, I actually was in a huddle, huddle offense. But in high school, I did go more no huddle, and my last year huddle. So I'm, I'm pretty much used to them both. Was there a point in that time that you were on the field where you felt like you really started to settle in? It's probably in that fourth quarter I started to, to just just understand that we we have to go get stuff done and just all, all the other noise didn't really matter. How confident are you in your playmakers? Uh, I got all the confidence in the world. I, yeah, they they'll make the plays and, and they'll be there when I need them. You've got a lot of veteran experience on that line and uh, any of those offensive playmakers, but they voted you as a captain. What does that say to you to know that you know you could be the leader out there on that offense? And then how important is that to have that? Um, I take I take great pride in just making sure that I'm I'm setting an example and just focus on doing that, but just making sure that everybody stays together and is, is really locked in on what we're trying to accomplish. And that that's 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 the most important part of it. Obviously got the L but it's not what we wanted, but you did fight back. I mean triple overtime, what a game. Um, what does it say about your team that you guys did take it to triple overtime? Um, we're resilient. That's that's pretty much what it said. Just that that we'll we'll fight and until the last last whistle is pretty much blown and and just we got to keep that going. But we got to start be able to start faster so we don't put ourselves in that in that position again. What's the key to the faster start? Uh, coming out and playing with some swagger. I, I, I truly believe that's what we need to do, and that's that's what we're looking to get done. And speaking of swagger, how is the confidence? I mean, does Pac-12 play kind of help push that swagger come back? Being that you know, it's it's time, it's go time. Yeah, I mean, this is this is this is what we've been waiting for, what we've been itching for. We're 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 looking forward to the challenge that we're facing ahead, and we're ready for it. Could you tell us any of what came out of the players-only meeting on Sunday? Didn't you guys meet as a team on Sunday? Yes, we did. Just pretty much what we need to get done and, and what we need to eliminate from what we're doing and just focus on the task at hand and that's that's pretty much just running the table. Who calls that meeting? Uh, that was the, the captains. captains yeah. yeah, Kyle doesn't recruit quitters. I mean, you guys, from guys breaking tackles at the end of that game, there's just no quitting these guys. It, do, you, do you guys look around the room and know that you can lean on the person next to you? Absolutely, 100%. That I, we, we as a team all have faith in each other, and when you got faith in each other, it just allows you to play free and loose and, and really go put on a show out there, really. How much conversation have you had with the coaching staff about are you potentially starting this week? Um, I'm going to just go ahead and relay that to Coach Witt and Coach Ludd. You guys can talk to him about that. All right, there's Utah quarterback Cam Rising with the media. Now, whenever there's trouble, I and mean, there have been back-to-back losses, and you got a quarterback transferring, and you need a mature voice, you need a leader, you need a guy who's got some common sense and a guy who has spoken in public a gazillion times and can represent him well. He's money when the cameras and the microphones are on. Uh, well, and probably when they're off too, but it's a little trickier to, to you know be money when they're on. Here's Britton Covey because you knew people were going to go to him and ask him to weigh in. Here's Britton Covey with the media. You gave us such a wonderful sermon. I called it about leadership last week. Hmm. Um, you know, is this where you guys do your best work as leaders? I think so. I think I said this last week, but it's so easy to be a leader when everything's going great. Being a real leader is only when things are not going as well. And uh, I, you know, I think a lot of people associate winning and losing with leadership, but uh, that's a very oversimplified version of things. I was really proud of, you know, how our 
our team came together yesterday for a team meeting. Uh, we had a lot of guys speak and a lot of guys talk. And like I said, it doesn't mean that it's going to translate into 10 straight victories, but the team is in a much better headspace right now. And and uh, I'm proud of a lot of the guys. I think that in a way it's almost like a burden is <laughs> kind of lifted off our shoulders because everybody's riding us off right now. And, and at this point it's just, you know, there's no expectation. People are riding you off. You just go out and play. It just becomes football and, and you just rely on each other. It's, it's almost an us against the world type feel. Uh, so I, I think that's kind of what we're focusing on right now. Cam really did give you guys a good spark. Can you just elaborate on some of the good things he was doing? Yeah. Well, here's what I would say about that is I think we played with a sense of urgency, not just Cam, the whole team. I mean, the offensive line was playing better in the fourth quarter receivers. But the biggest testament to what Cam did was because was that when he was the backup, he was just as hyped and excited as he was when he was the starter. And you can't say that about everybody. A lot of times when people aren't playing, they're kind of sitting on the sideline. Um, it's not that they're pouting, but they're not as hyped and they're not hyping people up as much. And then when they do get called in and you bring that energy, it just feels like a different person, whereas Cam is that person all the time. Uh, when Charlie won the job, there was no drop-off or disappointment from Cam that you could see he was still passionate. And so I think that's what people could rally behind was the fact that we're going to get that from Cam 24-7, no matter who it is. So. Kyle kind of reinforced the fact that it's the start of Pac-12 play and in a lot of ways a clean slate? Yes. That's one thing that we're trying to focus on. And it's so much easier said than done. Um, but blocking out all the noise, all the expectation from outside, the outside uh, is hard to do. It's really hard to do. But I think right now it's easier for us to do because a lot of people have written us off. And yet we're going into something 0-0 in Pac-12 play, 0-0 zero and zero in a way. And so it's exciting. It's us against the world. I mean, and you kind of touched upon this, like Cam's energy driving you guys. But yeah. obviously everybody contributed a triple overtime run there. I mean, it didn't go how we wanted in the end in L. But what does it say about your team that you did take it to triple overtime? Well, I, I hope that that's kind of a metaphor for our season. I think that... Uh, you know, what I hope to see was last game being very similar to how our season goes. You start off pretty bad, and then you finish strong. Uh, obviously, we didn't end up winning the game, but it's. I think it was great, especially for Coach Whittingham, because Coach Whittingham, he's been around so many teams that have been great, and he's been preaching to us our potential from day one. But we haven't quite seen it on the field, and... It's in, not until you see it that you can truly believe it. I think we all saw it in the fourth quarter, and now I think there's a lot more belief behind it. Um, like I said, I, it, there's so I, I'm at this point with two losses and things. Talking to the media, it's like I don't want to say anything that's gonna set expectations for us to win all these games. I just know that our team is in a much better headspace right now. You talked about um, the better headspace possibly being. Uh, uh, result of the team meeting, right? And like, I feel like sometimes when team meetings happen, that means like, at least to the outside, that the sky is falling among the hmm. team. Yeah. But it's so early in the season, Pac-12 play is about to start. How do you, as captains, kind of massage it to say, at least within yourselves and internally, like, hey, the sky's not falling, but there are some things that we need to talk about as a team. Right. Well, 
It, I think it comes down to reinforcing what we as a team want our culture to be, not what someone else has wanted our culture to be or what the coaches are trying to preach, which is all, are all great things, but it was we come together and we decide what do we want to be. Um, forget about what people say on social media. Forget about um, you know whatever injuries there are. What, what type of team do we want to be and how do we reinforce that this week? So it wasn't as much a meeting about the sky is falling you know we've lost two games what are we doing it was a meeting of okay what do we want to be this is a turning point like we decide at this point this is one of those points in your life where you get to decide and uh so it was very forward thinking and and um i think people came out positive uh there were some words said and things called out that we need to fix but uh, I think that it was good to focus less on the sky falling and more on the sky being there still. All right, there are the Utes. There is the news of the day and the reaction from up on the hill at the Tuesday practice. We're going to take a break. We're going to come back, and we're going to hear from Frank Dolce next, BYU wide receiver Dylan Colley after that. Stay with us. It's game week for the Utes, and the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. The Utes open up Pac-12 play as they welcome in Washington State for an early start. Listen all week for your chance to win tickets to the game and then catch the Ute pregame show Saturday at 1030 with the postgame show immediately following the game on the Zone Sports Network. From Monday morning to the postgame press conference, nobody brings you better coverage of Ute football. You ready? Yeah! Than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. All right, it is time now to hear from Frank Dolce. We had him on late in yesterday's show. Uh, He's a former Ute quarterback. I think he's got a lot of interesting things to say about the quarterbacks. Now, obviously, we did this interview before we knew Brewer was transferring. At this point, we thought he was probably going to the bench, and Cam was probably going to be the starter. As it turns out, Brewer is headed off for parts unknown, well, probably somewhere in the state of Texas, and Cam Rising is the guy, unquestionably. So... While Frank may have known or suspected some of this, it wasn't public knowledge yet. So take that for what it's worth. But I think Frank still has interesting takes on the quarterback. Here's Frank Dolce. Frank, good morning. Good morning, guys. Frank, you know why we have you on? To fix what ails the Utes. (laughs) Your Utes. Yes. Frank, fix them. Where do you start? Well, you know where we start. It starts... Right up front, and uh, that that position group is uh, is just going to have to get much better if they're going to start winning some games. I mean, I think there's, I don't think it's uh, a desperate situation for Utah. I think they're lacking a little uh, identity on the offensive side. We've we've seen Utah teams go through this before. I think. Um, they don't, you know, they haven't found the Zach Moss um, type of running back quite yet. I think they have a couple of good guys, a couple of good options. Maybe they're not, they're not going to have a Zach Moss type this year. And, um, and they need to settle in on the quarterback. And I think maybe we're, we're going to see that this weekend. But, but truthfully, you know, when things go well for Utah, it starts up front and 
on the and when things go poorly for Utah, it starts up front. So I think that's the place where you have to get a lot better going into Washington State. What do you think of my idea? Stop talking about zero and zero in conference because that implies that you have an opportunity. Don't worry about that. That'll take care of itself. And the sole entire focus is simply on winning, beating Washington State. And I refer it back to Stanford. They lose. They lose awful in the first game. Make a quarterback change. They beat SC. They beat Vanderbilt. Suddenly the world is looking a whole lot brighter for them. I believe that's the same type of attitude that the Utes need to take. Just worry about winning Saturday afternoon. That's it. Yeah, I I tend to agree with that as well. You know, one week at a time sort of attitude. And I know that, you know, people want to talk about, well, all of the, you know, everything that all the goals are still in front of this team um, in terms of conference play and opportunities exist and all of that. But, but you know, what? It, it just, just nothing, nothing matters unless you beat Washington State. And then right. if you beat Washington State, then you can think about the next week and you can think about the next week. And, you know, if you don't beat Washington State, then you have to reevaluate where, you, where you're headed. But, but um, yeah, I, I, like the one, I like the one game at a time kind of attitude. And that's always seemed to fit with Coach Whittingham's style is, you know, he just he, – he, he is pretty good about um, – getting past a win and getting past a loss and moving on to the next week and then just focusing on that week. So I think that's a good fit for, for what he wants to accomplish and what the team needs to accomplish this week. So you were on a couple of weeks ago uh, talking about the uh, mechanics and the mechanics were so good in the quarterback spot. Now the quarterback play has not been good. How much of those mechanics break down because of the pass rush, and is that a big reason to make the change here? Is that maybe they got a quarterback who's better on the move? Well, it's a good question because I still think that if you watch Charlie Brewer run around and throw the ball, you know, warming up and when he's not under pressure and things like that, he's mechanically very good. He's really good. And um, he throws a good ball, and it looks right, and, you know, everything seems to align. And uh, but and that and that happened against Weber State, and then in the past two weeks, you know, under pressure, uh, all of a sudden it's tough to to be mechanically sound, and and maybe maybe what we're witnessing is a guy like Charlie Brewer who's who when he's not mechanically sound then he struggles uh, with accuracy. And I think we saw that. It, it seemed to me that even against San Diego State, when there was a clean pocket or it, se- it seemed like he had time to throw the ball, the previous pressure was, was bothersome and his mechanics weren't great. And he still, wasn't, he, he still wasn't accurate with the ball. He was still having trouble with accuracy. So that's a, that's a hard thing. And, you, you know, you kind of scratch your head because you look back at, across his career at Baylor and he's thrown for – you know, 10,000-plus yards, and there's, there has to be something to that. Um, I still go. I still think that, you know, one thing we have to consider is that um, he, he probably had a different set of uh, assets available in terms of receiving group at Baylor. That was probably a, something that was helpful for him. Um, whatever, the, whatever the case is, 
if you're struggling up front and and you have a quarterback that that is struggling under pressure and doesn't necessarily have a great ability to break the pocket and make plays with his legs, you know, then you have to make the switch to a guy that does, and that's that's Cam Rising. Cam Rising showed the ability to even under pressure still have some accuracy with the ball and the ability to break out of pressure and make a play with his legs or downfield with his arm on the run. So, you know, if the, if the, if the, if up front is not going to be a strength, if, if you're going to struggle up front, then the complementary quarterback is a guy who is a little more mobile and has the ability to do something outside of the pocket. What do you think about making the change at quarterback? And I think they will simply because I've been around rising a little bit in the interviews, and, and I'm just always impressed with his sort of cockiness, confidence, swag, as he talks about. And I believe that the players see it too. There's there's a reason that Rising was voted a captain. Sure, uh, he wasn't he wasn't named the starter necessarily. They were still in a battle. But he was named a captain, and he he wears the C on his jersey, and so I think there's there's something to be said for that. And he does have uh, he does have a little bit of uh, that swagger, and um, and you have to the guy, the guy came in, and I mean his first couple series weren't very good against San Diego State, but it seemed like it didn't bother him. Like, he was just going out for the next series. Okay, so now we're going to go score this series. We're going to go go score the next series or whatever. I mean, just have the ability to shake it off. So I think that's meaningful. And, and by the way, when your quarterback's struggling, um, all the other guys around you can start, you know, trying to rally around the quarterback. But it's a, there's a sense of, on the team of what's happening if your quarterback's not playing well, if your quarterback's struggling. That's, that's hard to overcome if your right. quarterback is, is losing confidence. And so – and when you have a guy come in there um, who has a, who shows a little grit, it, it just bolsters everybody. And I think that's what we saw on Saturday night. Anything else on this team worry you, or is the other stuff coming together now and you're feeling pretty good? It's just getting this, getting this figured out. Well, I mean, it's a, I think it's a little worrisome that, there, we, Utah really hasn't identified a go-to wide receiver. I mean, uh, Britton Covey is a guy that you want to get the ball a bunch, and they did. Uh, and Keithy and Kincaid and Fotheringham. I mean, there's a there's four guys right there that are you know very meaningful in in the passing game. Um, but I still feel like one other guy needs to emerge, maybe. A, you know, Jalen Dixon or, or Enos or Howard, one of those guys needs to become a go-to guy and a guy that can pressure a defense. And, and so I don't know. I mean, the, the fact that San Diego State was running five- and six-man pressure regularly just demonstrates they weren't too worried about, you know, what was happening on the outside. Like, they felt like they could manage that. So I think that's a, that's a little bit of a concern. I'm pretty optimistic about the defensive side. I mean, I looked at that game again, and and the defensive numbers are are pretty darn good. And and I watched the way that Utah played. That that I, I thought they played much better on the front. The one area where they failed is they they lost the quarterback run game, which is you know that, that 
that is uncharacteristic of the Utah defense. But they lost the quarterback run game. He ran for almost 100 yards, and that was a difference in the game. Certainly the, the poor special teams play was a difference in the game. The interception put the defense in a difficult spot. So I'm optimistic. I mean, I think the defense took a step forward, and, and if you just look at you know strictly the numbers on the defensive side, um, you could probably say that's a, that's a winning effort. So I'm optimistic about that. Uh, I think that's a good matchup against Washington State. You just, you know, the Utah offense, just this is the week for them to come along. I mean, it's a, it's a group that's going to have to score 20, 25, 30 points a game. They have a defense to bring with them now, it seems like, but, but they're going to have to put a few points on the board, and that's where I, you know, I still there's a big question mark to me. So you're part of the group with Dave Fox and those guys. Does a great job on the high school coverage. Really appreciate that. I think it's awesome for the kids in the state. And with that in mind, you saw up close Jackson Dart play at Corner Canyon, obviously. And going forward here, he played at SC, came in for Slovis, and I thought he looked absolutely awesome. Uh, what was your assessment? I don't know if you saw the game, but I'm sure you're aware of it. I watched the whole thing and thought, you know, he had the first pick, pick on the first possession, and it just really, really took off. Uh, so put yourself in the position of evaluating him, and if you're the SE interim coach, what are you going to do? Well, that's a good question. I, I did have the opportunity to watch Jackson play several times in high school. He was very impressive. I made the comment a few times that, I thought he was the most game-ready, college-ready quarterback I've ever seen come out of the state of Utah. And, I mean, just the size, the athleticism, the arm strength, the ability to move, move the ball around the field. I just He seemed to have all the tools. The one tool you worry about is above the shoulders, and, and it seems like he passed that test in game one with USC. So uh, who knows? But maybe a budding superstar in our hands. But I, I'm really high on Jackson Dart. Uh, that's uh, that's a difficult situation to come into. He managed it extremely well. Uh, if he's the starter, I think he'll have success, but I also think he'll struggle a little bit. I mean, it's just part of the it's just part of the deal because the game changes. It's it's a speed difference. It's an athleticism difference. Um, it's a complexity of defense difference. Although. Coach Kerr did a really good job of preparing him, as he does all his quarterbacks. That's just a, it's a difficult step to take. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him have success, even as a true freshman. Um, but I'm, I'm also certain he'll have some struggles throughout that. In terms of whether or not he should, uh, he should start, um, he, should go, he, should, he should be the guy moving forward, I, I don't know. Washington State, I, I don't know what to think of Washington State. I think that was a good opportunity for, for Jackson to get some playing time. Um, but USC hasn't been especially productive prior to that with Slovis. And, and depending on Slovis's injury, maybe you just give him another week off and you say, hey, let's, let's see, what this, see what this kid can do. It's not a throwaway season by any stretch for USC, but – but uh, Jackson Dart, certainly with his effort on Saturday, is going to make it difficult in the, in the coaching staff room about who to start on, on, uh, in the next game. I wouldn't be surprised to see Jackson Dart start, but that's, uh, you know, that's, a big, that's a big tall ask for a freshman. Well, it's Oregon State this week at home, and then it's Colorado on the road, so 
USC ought to be oh, four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. USC ought to be I mean, four they, and one they, when Utah comes they, calling. Yep. Yep, PK, yep. they might they might give you a call, PK. You could probably start those two games and, <laughs> and give USC a shot. I mean, that's... Uh, maybe a couple years ago. I don't know about now. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean that's a good point. That's a good point. This might be just an excellent opportunity to give uh, Jackson Dart really good game experience uh, because those are two, as as we all know, those are two very beatable teams in the Pac-12. Frank, we appreciate it. Of course, it's my pleasure. It's great to catch up with you guys. There is Frank Dolce. All right, when we come back, we're talking BYU. Dylan Cauley, BYU, former receiver, truth teller, believer in the Cougars, but definitely a bigger believer now than he was a couple weeks ago. Not that he didn't have ideas a couple weeks ago, but, you know, you get new information, you believe new things, and BYU has now swept three Pac-12 South teams. One of them, admittedly a disaster. The other two... Mediocre, maybe a little better than that. We'll have to see how it plays out. But BYU's 3-0, and they took down the Wildcats, and they took down the Utes, and they took down the Sun Devils. So we will talk about all of that and where they go from here. One quarter of the season down, three quarters to go. A coach who might be the subject of another school's coaching search and what's BYU going to pay. There are plenty of topics to get to. Dylan Colley's coming up next. It's game week for the Cougars. And the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. It ain't over till it's over. BYU welcomes South Florida to Lavelle Edwards Stadium this Saturday. Listen all week for your chance to win tickets to the game. And then catch the Cougar pregame show Saturday at 6. With the postgame show starting immediately following the game on the Zone Sports Network. From Monday morning to the post-game press conference, nobody brings you better coverage of Cougar football than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's time to talk BYU football with Dylan Colley, former BYU wide receiver. He joins us now on the Smart Rain guest line. Smart Rain, Best of State Award winner, is having an end-of-season sale on their Irrigation Smart Controller. Save 50% off each Smart Controller purchase. The offer is available to all commercial property zone listeners. Visit SmartRain.net to schedule a demo today. Dylan, good morning. Morning, folks. How are we doing? Doing well. Dylan, I remember a couple weeks ago, you were making your prediction on BYU beating Utah, and you said there was a lot of praying and fasting that went into that, and you got some laughs. You also made the point, I, to me, it made the point that you thought it was definitely possible, but given the streak, you really didn't want to be out there, you know, screaming too loudly. But they got the win, and now they've got another win, and I'm willing now, if you're wondered, willing to really scream loudly about this BYU football team that as much faith as you had before... You've got quite a bit more now. Uh, absolutely. I, I've, I've got a lot more faith. And I know people are probably sick of my just absolute, you know, positive reinforcement towards this team. Um, and I hope last year I did a good enough job of showing, you know, hey, there, there were some worries on the team as a whole. They just had the right tools, right? Uh, whereas this year I feel like everything has really come together. And I think a lot of that comes down to, not necessarily the surprise, but kind of like that aha moment of no one thought that this team had the ability that it does, right? No one thought it really – maybe people thought that they had the potential, but no one really thought that 
a three and zero start was even plausible because of the loss in personnel, right? Because of the new, you know, because of new quarterback coming in and, and playing a, a huge role. Role, and uh, I just think you know it's kind of that moment of hey, three and zero in the Pac twelve um, with uh, a lot of potential looking up in regards to winning out. I mean, I think BYU fans everywhere can kind of stand on the stand on the hill and and scream pretty loudly yeah for sure they can if you try to pinpoint reason or reasons where are you going i mean i i truly believe it just goes back to the conversation last week the the maturity of the program and and where it's at and kind of the foundation that's been built over the last few years it was kind of this you know uh opportunity that was ready to pop Right, and and this year is that year where the last few years it's just kind of built up all this momentum. And you know, is it is this the pinnacle? I don't think so. I think this this is just really the beginning to that constant growth, especially with what's gone on in the last couple of weeks and being added to a Power Five and the potential to grow there. So I, I really think that this is just kind of that momentum straight up, uh, something that you know, I think people have been waiting for for a very very long time, especially under Kalani. These three games have looked remarkably similar. The final, uh, in each case, BYU's jumped out in front, looked pretty comfortable, two-score lead. The other teams rallied and tightened it up, and then BYU pulls away and wins by eight, wins by nine, wins by ten. That's not going to hold. Something's going to happen. Maybe opponents are going to catch up to BYU's defense a little bit, especially with Peely being hurt. That's got to be a setback. He was playing so well. And then you've got uh, maybe the offense. We haven't seen it all yet, and they're really going to start throwing 40 points up there on the board. I mean, we can't have the same pattern 12 weeks in a row. We've had three three games in a row. It can't happen. How is this team going to change going forward? Where are we going to see it on the scoreboard? Yeah, I think I think the biggest difference, especially in what I've kind of been waiting for, is that that shift, right? Where and I think it, it did happen a little bit this last week, where after that initial special teams touchdown, okay, which was, you know, as great of a play as it is, we look at the chances of that truly happening, and we look at the numbers, and it's you know, <laughs> uh, almost maybe a little bit of a fluke. But the way that the offense got started was extremely, extremely slow, right? There. Are, you know, weren't many shots taken down the field. The offensive line was getting pushed behind. There was a lot of momentum going towards Arizona State's, uh, going Arizona State's way. And I think a big part of that goes to, you know, the way that we look at what does the opportunity look like for a bad game, right? And do I think that they played the best game Saturday night? No, I don't at all. I, I think that there were a lot of missed opportunities, and especially where Arizona State started to make that run back into the game, right? You look at the front seven and the way that they got pushed early. As I look at that and say, okay, we see how it is to play, you know, maybe not the best football, yet BYU is still able to pull something out, right? And so it's going to come down to, is your worst game better than the opponent still, right? Can you play at your bottom level and where do you still stand in terms of the end score? Um, And that's, to me, is going to determine a lot of what happens the next nine games, uh, the next ten games, however long it is, because that that pattern can't stay, right? We can't just come out and let people back in the second, third quarter, and then pull some mirac- like miraculous victory in the fourth. Uh, my biggest kind of worry is, okay, what happens if we play, you know, worse than we did Saturday night? 
is that still going to be better than the opponent? I think personally that there are some games in there in the schedule coming up that if we play worse, you know, there are teams like the Boise State. There are teams like Utah State who has a lot of momentum. I think those groups are going to be ones that actually take advantage of that opportunity and put us in a bit of a binder or pickle. As the team continues to win, they're 14-1 and one in the last 15. Kalani's such a magnetic personality. He's going to draw some interest, obviously, from other positions and other places. I mean, uh, what do you think of the, not just the administration, but I think the athletic administration is fully behind him, but the administration and above at BYU uh, opening up the coffers a little bit and making sure they're at least ballpark going right? Yeah, I'm, you have to. That, I mean, that is the only opportunity. It is very difficult. If you look at the difference of what, and I think that this is, you know, pretty <laughs> public information, right? Uh, we all stood by with Bronco, and Bronco, there was no chance of him leaving. You know, like he had, everything he stood for was BYU. Um, as soon as money started calling, it was pretty quick to leave. Now, no shame, like no shame. Like I think everyone in the world would have done the exact same thing, and I honestly think, you know, from a personal standpoint, I would do the same thing. I think Kalani would do the same thing. When you're talking figures that are three, four, five times more than you're making at one university and setting yourself up and setting your family up for kind of generational wealth, right, those conflicts are always going to come into play. No matter how much you love BYU, it's not a decision about you disliking BYU. It's a matter of, you know, what <laughs> what is the potential? And so, in order for BYU to truly compete at that level, there's going to need to be a huge shift in the amount of money that's being paid to these coaches across the entire athletic program, right? To be able to keep Kalani around, to be able to keep the Popes around, uh, you you have to keep up or else, you know, you're just going to kind of be considered one of those mid-tier stepping stones that gets you to, you know, to get the coach to the SEC, Right. Uh, and I don't think BYU can afford that with the momentum that they have right now. Well, stepping stones come in a lot of different uh, sizes, I suppose, because as long as SEC teams are going to pay uh, eight, nine, ten million dollars, everybody who's right. paying five or six is a stepping stone. I don't think anybody's expecting. I guess the question is, to what level is BYU going to go? Because I don't think anybody who was there in the '90s thought they'd be paying what they're paying now. So you got to. Yeah stay somewhat in the ballpark, but there's a big difference between two, four, and six million as far as, well, who are you a stepping stone to and from at that point? Right. And and that is 100% true. Like, I, I think you have to put yourself in, you know, uh, I think the easiest way to compare it is where are you at and compared to what Utah's paying Kyle, right? What is Utah paying their coaches? Uh, that's, uh, I believe that you have to get to that level. Um, and that would kind of be like the bar to set for the entire administration. Yep, I'm with you. Once again, my friend, you're telling it like it is, and I think that's important. I want to ask you a question that isn't specific to BYU. It actually relates more to Utah, but it's a general question, and I know you've been there. They've got a quarterback situation, mm-hmm. and the way I look at it, Brewers had an opportunity of two and a half games plus, and, and you know, it just hasn't looked good, obviously. I believe yeah. Rising has some swagger to his game, and certainly in my interviews and interactions with him, I've seen it. And then he goes out there and ignites a, a dormant offense in the second half. As a player, 
How much do you count on and configure as far as a player's almost like cockiness to succeed uh, to have in the decision that the Utah coaches have to make? I believe they're going to go to rising. But you as a player, when you look at a, another at a quarterback specifically, and you were a receiver, obviously, in a receiver family, yeah. knowing that the quarterback, he, he's got that it factor. Utah should have gone with Cameron Rising from the very beginning this offseason. No questions asked, 110%. That's something that I've thought since the spring um, because of that factor. There was something that you could tell, and that's just of watching a couple Utah games, right? Um, and, and that's just seeing some of the stuff that they would put out, right? Like the media and the social media program at Utah – you could just tell there was something different about Cameron Rising that was going to put them in a position of, you know, confidence. Not just the swag that he's got, but the, the dude can absolutely sling it. Like, the guy can play. I think the biggest roadblock, and I wouldn't even call it necessarily a roadblock, but the biggest roadblock from getting Cameron Rising to play early was the difference in influence from – from Andy Ludwig, right? And you look at his quarterbacks, especially in the last few years, uh, you look at who he had at uh, Vanderbilt, right? Um, And I forget the guy's name, but just a very fundamentally sound, you know, five, seven-step drop quarterback, much larger in stature, right? Um, Kind of that old-school feel. Whereas, you know, Cameron Rising is – that guy all around. He is that 2021 quarterback. And so I think from the get-go, they should have gone with Cameron Rising. Ultimately, I think the game last week at BYU is a completely different story with Cameron Rising under center. 100%, no questions asked. Um, And so it will be interesting to see how the rest of the season goes with Cameron Rising under center and the success that Utah has because I think they are a team with a ton of potential and a ton of talent. And so uh, I think that would be just the most fundamental move uh, to make in order to kind of save the season. When you say the rivalry game would have been different, you think uh, BYU would have lost? I think they would have been under a lot more pressure offensively or defensively than they were. I think the offensive line would have played with a little bit more of a chip because of what Cameron Rising can do for that team. Um and, you know, uh, I believe that the chance of BYU losing was, is much, much different. I think Cameron Rising not playing, right? Now, BYU played an unbelievable game. Cameron Rising not playing was a huge benefit to BYU. Well, we'll leave it right there, Dylan. You've given Newton Cougar fans something to think about and possibly argue about. Way to go. Way to stir the pot. <laughs> not stirring the pot. He's talking from his heart and mind. It's what colleagues do. I think the he's beautiful not stirring thing, no pot. I think the beautiful thing is he's done both at the same time. Well, that's because he's speaking truth as he sees it. That's the whole point. That a boy. Hey, you just go with it. Exactly. Right on. Yeah, well said. You're the man, Dylan. Bring some more tooth next week. He will. No question. We'll see you guys later. DJ and PK, there is Dylan Colley. Stay with us. Coming up later this morning, we've got uh, what is trending the headlines. We've got Riley Jensen joining us. He's going to be here at 8 o'clock. Our football insider, we got BJ Reigns uh, covering Boise State. Just a huge game with Boise State and Utah State. That's coming up at 9 o'clock. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. 
Your day has just begun. Yeah. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Come on. Are you ready? ready? On 97.5, 1280, The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Yeah. Hashtag Utah. That happened uh, yesterday. Charlie uh, had made the decision that he was uh, in his best interest to move on, and uh, he thought about it for a day and uh, confirmed it today, but presented it yesterday. It's Kyle Whittingham on the timeline of Charlie Brewer's decision to transfer. PK is the keeper of the records. Did he beat Jack Tuttle's record? He got out of here earlier, didn't he? Yeah, he's a new record holder. The other one was October because I remember it very well. I'm trying to enjoy the Jimmy Buffett concert, and I'm getting texts. (laughs) What's going on? I mean, literally, during the show. I was wasted away again in Margarita. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, and everything has to be tied into music. We'll always remember the new record then as the 21st day of September. This is an Earth, Wind, and Fire transfer. That he did it. He Uh, he thought about it, but he presented it. No, he was gone. Okay, then you've got to go with... I don't know. I, I, I the look day at before it. the song to hook the date uh, in your memory. I go two days before the Kiss concert tonight, and believe me, my face is going to be painted by 10.15. Sweet. <laughs> Please put a photo out on because social media. I was made for loving you. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> I'll see you out there. <laughs> you going? Considering it. Oh, there you <laughs> go. Face paint? So. No. Oh, come on. Well, you, I'm going to paint my face and not go. I've painted my face once in my life, and I never want to do that again. Why? What happened? You break out? It's just impossible to get off. You freak out. Le Chic. The way I look at it, it's Brewer is in keeping with the motto, all in as long as I'm in. Yeah, right. Yeah. All in and you're in the way. All in and could the offensive line get in the way and protect me? (laughs) I'm all in as long as I'm in. Once I'm not in, I'm out. Yeah, we can discuss this. I mean, they've got to stop this madness. It must cease. This is just madness. Stop the madness. Who did all those infomercials and made a ton of money? What was her name? Stop the madness. Uh, Joyce Bulafonte? No. I don't remember. We'll figure it out. <laughs> Cam Rising's the starter. Jaquindon Jackson is the backup. And the Utes are taking on Washington State Saturday. Buckle up. That's the plan. Oh, they're going to roll. Question of the day all about Charlie Brewer, and we will get to that next. DJ and PK. Hashtag college football. Jackson Dart did not practice Tuesday. The former Roy Royal, the former Corner Canyon Charger, had a knee injury in the 45-14 win at Washington State. Got hit early on. Limped through the rest of the game, but now he's missing practice. Keenan Slovis took first-team reps. He had a neck injury, left the game. That's why Dart got to play. Dante Williams would not discuss Dart's status, saying, Shoot, I hope he's here tomorrow, so we'll see. I know he just wasn't here today. Shoot. Shoot! I'd say pass. I always like it, you know, when the kids, you know, when they go to a school... We talk about college being, a, first and foremost, an academic endeavor, as Charlie, ah. Charlie Brewer proved. 
And then you look at it, you see Jackson Dart, Roy, Utah. Well, wait a second here. He played way down there. <laughs> and then, you know, there used to be when Cottonwood, that one dude, was pumping all that money in. Kids yeah. were Glendale. Oh, yeah. Well, wait a second. <laughs> oh, kids from East, kids from West, kids Sky from Murray. Had guys from Magno on the team. Good for them. It's all about winning. Learn it. You learn it in youth football, and life is for winners. Losers get trampeded. Stampeded. You're trampeded? Trampeded That's over. where you get on a trampoline and people walk they all over you? Trampeded over. <laughs> yes. They do. So, well, I hope he's healthy, man. I love to see him get out there because he looked great. And, uh, but if he can't go, he can't go. Sucks for him. But he'll, he'll have his day. That's the great thing about it. He That kid doesn't have to throw another pass the rest of the year. And he'll be anointed the starter next year as long as uh, Slovis goes to the NFL or transfers. Maybe a transfer to Utah. Hmm. Let's get our seventh one-and-done quarterback. <laughs> in Ohio State quarterback C.J. Stroud will practice this week. He's on track to start Saturday against Akron despite a lingering injury to his throwing shoulder. Well, it's Akron, so who cares? Though? Right. And the head coach says they got second and third stringers who could see time. So... And after that, they open Big Ten play against Rutgers. So they got a couple weeks to get this straightened out. 3 0 Rutgers. Greg Schiano working his magic again. The pride of Jersey. Rutgers uh, corners, uh, Max Melton and Chris Long have been suspended. Paintball incident, I Yes, paintball gun incident, according to head coach Greg Schiano. That's too bad because they're playing at Michigan, so they're not going to experience that phenomenal setting. The big house. Mm-hmm. Been there. DJ and PK. Hashtag NFL. We're role models, so if you're going to do something, do it within the rules. You know, get up and, and, and do your, 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 your ball drop. You know, do your dab or your dance or whatever. But don't do it towards somebody. You know, don't, don't step over somebody and, and drag your leg over somebody. That's what we're trying to prevent. You can do all. I mean, guys intercept it, run all the way down to the other end zone. That's fine. Okay? Th- those things... You know, we're not trying to stop the players from having fun. We're just trying to make sure we don't end up with a brawl on our hands. That's Ron Rivera right there, Washington's coach on the NFL's taunting rules. You know, in the NBA, they used to always have a point of emphasis when the season started, and then it was a big deal, and then six weeks in, it seemed to have faded away. Isn't that where this is going? I mean, right now, the taunt, the dropping flags on, I think it was eight guys got flagged for it. That isn't going to last, is it? It's going to be a big deal for a month, and it's just going to. Well, how about the players away. don't do it? It could happen. There's no need for it. Uh, that's the way I look at it. I'm right on in accordance with Rivera. You can, you can do the jitterbug and do everything you want to do. The jitterbug? Yeah. Just do it away from the players, the, the opponents. It's very simple, it's not that hard. NFL injury reports Ben Roethlisberger left pectoral injury. Mike Tomlin says he doesn't know how it happened. Big Ben was sacked twice by the Raiders. Houston Texans quarterback Tyrod Taylor on injured reserve hamstring injury suffered Sunday in the loss to Cleveland. Davis Mills will be the team starter Thursday night. That is a Stanford kid. Broncos outside linebacker Bradley Chubb. Arthroscopic surgery to move a bone spur in his left ankle. He left last week's game against Jacksonville. Expected to go on injured reserve and miss seven to eight weeks. DJ and PK. Hashtag NBA. 
Ben Simmons will not report for the training camp with the Philadelphia 76ers. He reportedly intends to not play for them again. That's the latest Woj bomb right there. Adrian Wojnarowski, ESPN, reporting Simmons wants to trade out of Philly. Has told management he's got no plans to wear an NBA uniform again until he's moved to a new team. And he reportedly has not spoken with anyone from the team for weeks. Yawn. <laughs> you don't care where he goes? He's not that good. You, so if you, he, you don't have the game to do this. And he signed for three more years. He's a fine player. Four more years. But he doesn't years. have the game to do this. He's not not there's gonna be no team when we gotta get Ben Simmons. We get Ben Simmons. That's changing everything. That's like uh, the Lakers getting Shaq or something. I don't see it. Miami or Cleveland the second time around getting LeBron. Not even close. Slated to make $33 million this year. And he does have four years to go on that deal. So if you trade for him. Well, I'd let him sit him. out. See if, he, see if he'll oh, do yeah, it. Oh, yeah, would be fun. Yeah, yeah I know. See yeah. if he'll do it. You can well, talk you really all you want now. You know, can walk away from all that money. Yeah. That'd be awesome. Just, okay, fine. You got, we'll, we'll just let you sit here for four years. I mean, what are you going to get back for him? I mean, with the rules, you got to take back a bunch of money. Yeah. And so, you're going to get a bunch of spare parts? Spare parts are a dime a dozen. Why do I need to pay $33 million for them? Hope they're spare parts for a shorter contract deal so you're not paying him uh, $40 million in four years. Because that is what you're going to get. Spare parts, but maybe on shorter deals. DJ and PK. Hashtag Major League Baseball. 0-1 pitch. He swings, hits a ground ball up the middle. That's a base hit. Rux will turn third, and he will head for the plate. He will score. It's a pinch hit run scoring single for Albert Pools. And career hit number 3,300. The pitch. Fastball. Swung on and a looping liner over the head of Tatis. Into shallow left. Base hit. Heading home is Belt. Here comes the throw. The tag. Save. Need a hit here from JT. Swung on. Punched down the right field line. It's got a chance. Santander on the run. He leaps out. He can't get it. It's a base hit. One run is home. Harper's coming around third. They're waving him to the plate. The throw is late. They've won it. Phillies win on a two-run triple in the 10th inning. They beat the Orioles 3-2. The Phillies are three games behind the Braves in the East. Braves beat the Arizona Diamondbacks 6-1. So, keeping that lead, they're down about, uh, well, the Braves have 13 games to go. So, into the final two weeks of the season here. Still sitting on that three-game lead. Here the Dodgers win on pool holes, driving in the winning run in the 10th inning. They were uh, they were in Colorado, and there were a lot of a lot of Dodger fans there, PK. That was a big crowd in Denver. So you watched it, huh? Only a little bit. Flipped over <laughs> during the Padre game in between innings. Padres hit four homers, got a lead, and the Giants down 4-1, rallied for a 6-5 win in the ninth. So they hold that lead over the Dodgers at one game. Cardinals now four games clear in the wild card race. Yeah, this is their longest win streak in 2,000 years. <laughs> They've got 10 in a row now. At exactly the right time. Pull it away. Got a little uh, got a lead, little lead here built up with 12 games to go now. They're in good shape. Shohei Otani hit his 45th home run of the season. Astros beat the Angels 10-5. to 
The Astros' uh, magic number dwindling away. It's a matter of time till they clinch that uh, American League West. They're eight games clear of Seattle and Oakland, so they are good to go. Bees wrap up their series with the Reno Aces. They lose 19-4. Yikes. Bees will open a series against the Sacramento Rivercats tomorrow, 635 at Smith's Ballpark. There's the headlines. What is trending is brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. There's no job too big or too small. Get the personal touch with Shamrock Plumbing. Call them at 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. Coming up, Riley Jensen, College Football Insider, will join us at 8 o'clock. B.J. Reigns, Boise State B-Rider for the Idaho Press Tribune at 9 o'clock. And next, we will have the question of the day. Charlie Brewer transfers out of Utah after three games. Shouldn't they be done with upperclassmen transfer quarterbacks? We'll hit that next. Grab your phone. Use the app. Use the open mic. You can send us your take. DJ and PK. It's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. and the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. The Utes open up Pac-12 play as they welcome in Washington State for an early start. Listen all week for your chance to win tickets to the game and then catch the Ute pregame show Saturday at 10.30 with the postgame show immediately following the game on the Zone Sports Network. From Monday morning to the postgame press conference. Nobody brings you better coverage of youth football. You ready? Yeah! Than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ PK, it's Hot Takes or Toast. It's brought to you by Utah Facial Plastics. Question today, Charlie Brewer transfers out of Utah after three games. Shouldn't they be done with upperclassmen transfer quarterbacks? And immediately, we get Dustin, the best bad golfer. No! Defiant, no. Yeah, I disagree. Although, if you keep trying, maybe you'll hit on one. Hmm. If you hit on one, is that a reason to keep trying? So you're well, 0 for 2, if, you um, go 1 for 3, you're hitting 333. I mean, they're pretty good average. They're, they're more than 0 for 2. I'm joking. I mean, they're Kendall Thompson. I mean, they've had several. I'm just saying the last two years, really. I just don't think it's the way to go for the Utes. But I got, I got to hand it to you, man. You were right. About what? You said it on Monday. About what? You you called it. <laughs> About what? <laughs> you impaired? <laughs> you called About it, About what? About you, what? You got to be higher. You, you, gotta, you can't. No parrot talks like this. You you nailed it. You said it. And what Monday. would that be? You said I should have told Kyle to start Cam, Cam Rising. <laughs> you, yeah. you were right. I got that one right. <laughs> when you heard he quit, did you think, oh, no. That blow, no, it's kinda, that blow hard is just going to dance on my grave. No. <laughs> you should have. <laughs> he was 15 and 15 in the spring game, and look what he did to Weaver. Uh-huh. I almost told Yacht to get that clip, but I thought, eh, I bury him so much. I think at the end of the clip, it's I say, being or right. it's just Weaver so in the spring benevolent. game. It's hard being right all the time. You're just going to leave that part out, though. Well,. I gave Frank two choices. It could have been 5,000 for 5,000 in the spring game. Who cares? He wasn't good enough. The Sugar Bowl. Who cares? Gremlins down in Round Rock, Texas, or wherever the crap he grew up. Who cares? 
It's here. It's now. I just don't think going out and getting somebody, bringing them in, they're not team-first guys. We've seen it now. One guy transfers after five games, which was the entirety of the season, and the other guy transfers after three games. We've also seen freshmen tra- transfer after That's five fine. Or six games. That's fine. Bring in Cam Rising is a transfer. But don't bring in these one-and-done guys. That's what I'm saying. There's a huge difference. There can be, yes. There is. It's not can be. There is. All quarterbacks are... Are candidates to transfer if every not player and every coach is a candidate to get a better job if he's good enough. That and, and if you get out of your out of your bed in the morning and you get in a car, you're a candidate to get in a crash. I mean, those are yeah. You're looking for guarantees. You're not going to find them. So if a quarterback's in the in the portal and he wants to come to your school, and you think he's better than the guys you've got, you shouldn't take him. I agree. Well, now you've conflicted yourself. <laughs> You you love to try to paint me into. I just don't to, think you can go with an absolute on this. I do. Okay. Fine. That's I mean, not you, your way. If you Absolutes don't have, don't exist in your life. That's fine. If you don't, if you don't have enough quarterbacks and you need then depth. recruit quarterbacks. There's plenty of them out there. And this, these guys them. come in and they're all in. Until as they, long as they're, they're in. in. Right. And to so find you the guy wasted bail. all this time, all of August, three games, you gave all these reps to a kid the second you benched him. He didn't even wait two days gone. and he was gone. And now he's in Texas, bad mouthing your program. I don't know that, but. And, and, and this that idea. That doesn't take of, much imagination. Okay, but I don't know that. Okay. If you do, so be it. I don't know it. I haven't talked to it, but he's got to be thinking, the O-line sucks, the receivers aren't very good, but I lost my job. This blows, I'm transferring. Okay, fine, whatever. I mean, he's gone now, so... Go, there's, what I'm saying as far as transfers, if you need to go that route, there's plenty of younger guys. But these guys, when they see the writing on a wall, not that I necessarily blame them, I'm just talking about what's good for the program. They're going to the next thing. He can go. It's not four games yet. Right, so he's got the red shirt. The rule is there, and he can take another shot at another school next year. Just like Bentley did last year, and and this kid has done this year. Go get a younger guy. If you want transfers, there's plenty of transfers. Kyle said it yesterday. I asked him point blank. Stood right next to him. Asked him about it. He said there, there are plenty of them. I'm paraphrasing, but you can go listen to it. It's on our website. Before, he's talked about there's so many people in the transfer portal, there aren't landing places for all of them. There's no shortage. Then go land some more if if that's what you need. And I realize younger guys are going to transfer out. Tuttle is the primary example, and Shelley left too. Uh, They want to switch him or whatnot. And uh, and they've had a slew of transfers and quarterbacks that have left the program. The one year they, they signed three quarterbacks. I don't uh, Cox and Manning and some other kid. I don't think any of them ever started a game. They all three left. That's just the way it is. I understand all that. But I'm talking about this specific type of player. Because this specific type of player is only staying if, if he plays. he's playing. Right. Because the clock is running out and they're chasing a dream that they're not, not going, going to, to achieve. Get. Right. 
Well, he we wants all do to go it. to the NFL. He's yeah. a smaller guy. Yeah. We know what the NFL thinks of smaller quarterbacks. Right. They practically just dismiss him out of hand without barely looking at him. I mean, they will, but man, you're going to be one in a thousand yeah, playing and in the league they're, at that size. And there's, a, and there's a Drew Brees out there, right? Uh, but you know, so what? Uh, I, I I I look at you know if you're a big time program, you can go with a Justin Fields. You can go with a Joe Burrow and those types of players. I just don't know. Uh, the level of program that Utah is, which is a very high level, but it's not at that other level. It's not level. the LSU, Ohio State, Georgia yeah. level. Yeah. So don't compare yourself right. with how they've landed transfer quarterbacks. Right. right. So I would put them over there. What's best your program? And to hear this, you know, and I'm hearing all Utah's where quarterbacks go to die. Yeah, well, uh, Tyler Huntley isn't dying. In the NFL. Yeah. So it's not true. Collecting the paycheck. You can say all that, but it's not true. It just isn't. He's in the NFL today as we speak. And he had an awesome senior year. He absolutely did. And he developed. And you look at the philosophy of Utah's program is get in the program, do what we tell you, we'll develop you, and away you go. Two years ago, what did they have? I think they had eight guys off the defense that are now in the NFL. I think they had six guys uh, drafted, and then Bernard and Gidry were free agents who made teams, right? I don't know where Gidry is. Was was he Jets? I'm not sure. But I know Bernard's with the Cowboys. And the other guys. And they had two guys, two guys who were seniors that year who basically were not full-time starters until their senior year, Cody Barton and Burgess. And they both get drafted on the second day. That's Utah's program. That's who they are. And they're phenomenal at that. They don't run around getting all these great four- and five-star rankings. They're recruiting rankings. They're one of the programs that if you go by that recruiting ranking, which they'll tell you they don't, We've had numerous conversations with those people over the years on that. Well, whatever their recruiting ranking is, they supersede it with the talent on the field. It's clear. It is obvious, yes. Yeah. If it were recruiting ranking, they would have kept rolling out 4-8 and eight and 5-7. and seven. Right. So now you're going to go the game's most critical position and go against everything your program is about. Doesn't make sense to me. Maybe I'm wrong. I never put my hand in the dirt. I never had hat on hat. I eat chocolate chip ice cream. I don't do a chip block. (laughs) And chocolate chip cookies. What about mint chip? I don't I hate mint. Absolutely hate mint. Disgusting. So there's a lot of good points that you make there. Every single one of them. They've developed one NFL quarterback. Lots of quarterbacks have struggled. There's probably multiple reasons Which for Which is it. even more reason one, not to do this. One is that you know Kyle went through a lot of offensive coordinators, so how much do you develop when that voice is changing all the time? Now you've got a consistent voice there. Maybe that can help. The guy who recruited Tyler Huntley, who's the one outlier, isn't recruiting for the U anymore. Dennis Erickson's gone. And he landed him. And Erickson, that guy, that guy picked some pretty good skill players over the course of his career, and he had some awfully good quarterbacks over the course then of his career. Then hire him back to go recruit. I agree. <laughs> hire someone who can identify quarterbacks and receivers, because clearly for all of the staff's successes, and you just listed a bunch of them, and they're real, and they should not be dismissed, but identifying quarterbacks and receivers is not a strength of this staff. 
And maybe it comes down to a version of your, I never put my hands in the dirt. You got a linebacker, you got a safety, uh, you got another uh, linebacker. I mean, they, they don't have quarterbacks on the staff. They don't have guys who know that position. It is unique in the game. Okay, fine. If that's your big issue, go do that. Um, but they, they've got a great football program. It's not like it's broken by any stretch. I mean, they're not going to have world beaters. They had eight guys off the defense playing the NFL. What do you want, eight guys off the offense from the same team? Yes, that is what people want. <laughs> the U of U. And that turns you into Ohio State, Georgia, <laughs> yeah. and LSU, and you pay a phenomenal amount of money for that. Yeah. And they don't have that budget, right. and they don't have the tradition, and all those teams exist in recruiting hotbeds, and possibly next to... An elite recruiting hotbed. I mean, if you, yeah, Louisiana has Salt a lot. Lake City, eight hours away from uh, anywhere. Right. Louisiana has a <laughs> lot of players, and they're next to Texas, who has even you more. Can, you can I go know. throw a net in Florida and be back by three o'clock to teach your kid how to hit the deuce. Thank you, Urban. Right? Those are facts. So let's understand what this program is about. I mean, I'm, I'm hearing all this negative around the program. That's a bunch of BS. Program is disciplined. That joke of a program in Tempe. All we did is listen to the whistle blow and watch the yellow <laughs> flag. Bro. Hey, that, was, that was awful. There were only four flags on that drive. That was it, well throughout the game. They lead. They're <laughs> 129th out of 130 in penalties. So they don't lead. That is an absolute embarrassment. Is that what you want? Absolutely not. There's no year way after to win. year. And every time they lose, I get these people around here who have my number. How about the Devils? Monson being the latest. Yeah. I don't ever hear when they win, but you know, as soon as they lose. How about, have you been watching the last 40 years? You want that? And every five or six years, you just change over coaches and think the next guy is going to be the difference? No, because then you'd be Utah basketball. Utah fans are already going through that. So there, And to say this is a place where quarterbacks go to die, that's not true. It's just that you have to look at their football program. They're not going to be great at every position. And for those reasons you said before you read it, you're right. They have all these defensive experts. So where are they outstanding? Defense. Yeah. And it's not a birthright. For all the fire Kyle crowd, when Kyle's gone, do you think the Utah defense is going to be awesome? I'll give you a definite maybe. I don't know. I know. Right. Exactly. But right now we know. Yeah. It's going to be good again. They're going to have more NFL guys because he knows how to identify and develop them. Yeah, I don't recall but, a parade when Devin Lloyd co- committed. Do you? <laughs> I don't either. What is he's it? Bonafide stuff. He's just roaming sideline to sideline, making plays everywhere. Yeah. Just making plays one after another. I mean, when Oregon got Thibodeau, I thought, oh, okay, this guy. Big, huge difference maker because it was obvious. Then I can recruit that kid and recognize his talent. Everybody can. You don't even you don't right. need to have put ever put your hand in the dirt to know that. But they go get a Devin Lloyd out of San Diego, and he's a brilliant football player. You want that to change, so you can have some quarterback. Charlie Brewer transfers out of Utah after three games. Shouldn't they be done with upperclassmen transfer quarterbacks? Twenty twenty one Pac twelve champ says sure, but can we at least acknowledge the reasons why they did it? Number one, Bentley, they had to get a quarterback with experience to come in with all these young quarterbacks. And two, Brewer, if Rising wasn't injured, then they wouldn't have needed to get him. I mean, it's easy to say now 
that Cam Rising is healthy, but shoulder injuries on quarterbacks are scary. They don't always work yeah, out. Yeah, but it's not it's not that singular situation. So you want them to go get a younger quarterback. Go get a quarterback, but go get a younger guy out of the portal. Because as Kyle has said, there are a gazillion guys in the portal. Or maybe you recruit somebody the year before. I talked when they when BYU signed this Finnegan kid who because he's not a grad transfer, he committed after January or July 1st, so he's ineligible this year, not that he would play anyway. And I asked him, I said, well, look at all these quarterbacks. Yeah, yeah. So? Yeah. I I think he told me if I can get 10, I'd get 10, something like that. I don't even know. Because they're going to transfer. They're going to transfer. Yeah. So go ahead yeah. and recruit some more. It's not, yeah, you look at it, they put themselves in that situation in a sense, to be forced to get a good brewer. That's where I would knock on them. Have a bunch of guys there, scholarship dudes, and see where you're at. And a quarterback is a position, not that I'm certainly not a quarterback expert, I'm not an expert at anything, but it's one of these positions where you don't know. So just because a kid doesn't have this high ranking, who knows what he's going to turn into? Because they get in high school, and they get a line, and they get a receiver, and a play, and away it goes, and it draws up, and, and boom, there they are. Well, that doesn't work that way. You may have to scramble around like Cam Rising did and make some plays. The great ones, that's what they do. And so you can't necessarily tell who's going to be this or who's going to be that. You don't know that. Who knew Brian Johnson was going to be the phenomenal leader that he was and get everybody to play and, and then just excel like no other in the two-minute offense. He's a short little dude, but yet, man, he, he was good enough to beat Alabama and go undefeated, so it was pretty sweet. That was after he wrecked his knee and his shoulder. Right. And battled back from all that stuff. So the point I'm making is that there's quarterbacks out there. Go sign some more so you're not in that position in the first place. So, yeah, once you got into that position, I can understand you thinking Brewer is somebody we want to bring in. But then you have to wonder about these these one-and-done dudes at the end. Why are they leaving? And what's up with that? To me, they weren't good enough. That is often the case, but I can see where, and maybe you talked to Kyle about this, I can see where he thought with Brewer, well, they had a coaching change. Okay, and, every, but, and everything but why fell apart. Leave? Yeah, but, but you, who cares? You're not about winning games. You're about playing. You're clearly not about winning games. You're about playing. Playing matters more than winning games. Winning games is nice. But if Utah went, if Utah wins the rest of their games this year and he was on the team, was he happy? No. It was about playing. So he knew he was going to play there. I think. I don't know Baylor's situation. We'll study them That's, in a couple was, of weeks when BYU say, comes up. I'd, I'd be able to talk a lot more about Baylor yeah. if BYU had gotten into the Big 12 a few years right. ago. Because <laughs> right. we would have all followed it closer. You know, did, yeah. And did, we will going forward. And the Sugar Bowl play them. Was the Sugar Bowl team loaded the way that U no team clue. was? I don't either. I don't know. If they were loaded and, you know. Well, I think it does because he comes in. There's a decent chance. I mean, it makes sense, but we don't know because we don't follow it that close. That he had a good offensive line and good receiving core when he lit it well, up. Well, they two ought years to know ago. that. We don't need to know that what it was to. That's they up to them that. to know right. all that stuff. And yeah, the fact is, even he wasn't good enough, and they had to make a change. 
And it was the same offensive line in San, against San Diego State. State. Yes. Nobody changed. And yet they looked way better. That's an undeniable fact. Cam Rising can make plays yeah. out of chaos, and that made a difference. He can roll out. He can throw on the move. And he's got swag. <laughs> I've been telling you that for years. He's got swag. <laughs> he does. He does. I've been telling you that, man. He's got it. All he's got to do is put his thumb on his index finger and middle finger, and he's Johnny M. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> Extreme Masker Dance Dad at Kahlo Ute. Way too long. If it's what the Utes need to bolster depth because of injury or because they're young and titled quarterbacks have left... Then that's what they need to do. No, because these guys ain't coming in to bolster depth. <laughs> that's true. They're coming in to start. <laughs> yeah. The only way they'll bolster depth is they're the starter and then they get hurt. And then you can play the other guys at number two. For but they've got to go first. For lack of a better term, they're mercenaries. Yeah, they are. Well, this is, I mean, uh, Tim Lacombe was telling us, like, yeah. all his coaching friends are saying free agency is here. Yeah. Every single year. The difference in college and the pros is that the pros actually have multi year deals. And you have to get to the end of it before you have a pre-agency. And it's even worse because of, and it's on full display here with Brewer, with the uh, more generous redshirt rule, you get to play four games and still keep your redshirt. Yeah, and I'm all for it. Anything that advances the player. And I, Brewer, you got to do what you're going to help yourself. If you don't look out for number one in this world, ain't nobody else going to. You get one so, more year to play football, so even it. though the NFL thing isn't going to happen. You may have to go to South Alabama and be off the national radar, but you do get to play football. Yeah. He doesn't think that the NFL thing is ruled out. Yeah, but, it. but have it, fine. Go ahead and dream it and let somebody tell you no, because eventually you're going to be told no anyway, unless you're the chosen few. And to get back to the question about uh, Kyle, and you should have told Kyle, I think now it's pretty clear uh, – Maybe Kyle knew, but he also knew Burr was going to transfer if he didn't get a shot. And it wasn't ridiculous to start him. So give him a shot. No. I think Kyle was no. completely clear no. he was going to go. That's that's the dumbest thing you've said this morning. That's probably not true. It, it, I, 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 I meant a narrow window. Okay. So I, I didn't say like this week. I mean, I kept it as narrow as possible. Do you think the players knew and that that's why they voted Cam? He has swag. How many times I got to keep telling you this, man? You're not, you're not going to believe me at some point here? I told you this two years ago. The guy's got swag as a quarterback, man. This is something that I said. You could see it by talking to him. The other guy, not so no, much. He's not at all. Totally bland. And fine, that's who you are. But you need felt some like of that been, stuff at that position. Felt like he'd been burned by the media. It always felt know. like his Zoom questions, man, he was given the shortest answer possible and wanted the shortest session possible before he left. That was not his thing. Not from the first time he was on screen. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Riley Jensen's coming up at 8 o'clock. BJ Reigns at 9 right here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. Blake Anderson, head coach at Utah State. Obviously, all of us are looking at your quarterback right now, wondering how his health is and what the potential is for him to play in the upcoming weeks. Oh, he'll play. He took a tough shot. He really did. And he could have probably played, but just didn't feel like he could be very effective. And Andrew came in and did a phenomenal job, obviously, with his legs and made some big throws to help us win that thing. But I think he'll practice without a problem. He'll be sore, but would expect on game day that he's ready to go. 
role completely. He's tough and he's been beat up before. I think uh, just that particular night, the back was just at a point where he just didn't feel like he could be as effective as Andrew was. And, and he told us, Coach, I, I think he's got a better chance of getting us through. I just don't think I can turn on the ball like I need to. Hanson Scotting. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Football Friday is presented by Mountainland Supply, where the pros go for plumbing, landscaping irrigation, agricultural irrigation, HVAC parts, tools, and safety equipment. Final location near you at mountainland.com. Charlie Brewer transfers out of Utah after three games. Shouldn't they be done with upperclassmen transfer quarterbacks? Curtis, that's sweet and straight to the point right there. You gotta love that, as opposed to that long previous name. Oh, totally. Curtis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Curtis says Scally should be coached soon and should bring back Brian Johnson if possible. Brian Johnson working for the Eagles now. He's got his foot into the NFL door. So I'm walking out of the tunnel last weekend with Jalen Hurts. So what, what were you, he's going to come back and be at a coordinator? Is that what we're saying? I don't know. I, I can't imagine he'd leave the NFL to be a quarterback coach in college, maybe for a coordinator. <laughs> yeah, that would be shocking. He says Scally should be coached soon. He should bring back Brian Johnson if possible. If Brian would yeah, fix everything. I don't know that it's a big coaching issue. Think it's more recruiting, identifying the guy. They've created a niche that is really good. I actually don't think you can't say all. So we're generalizing here. Okay. I actually think, in a sense, it's funny because nationally, Whittingham is revered. <laughs> yeah. Locally, to an extent. To an extent. Don't know exactly what extent. To an extent, he's taken for granted. Yes. People think the winning is done by the letters on the on the uniform, and it's it's not. And it seems clear to me, for anybody who's a Ute fan, who's been a Ute fan for the almost 30 years you and I have been working here, uh-huh. that basketball should make that really clear. When it was Majerus with Juddy and with Donnie, it was spectacular. Don't forget Tommy Connor and Chris Jones. Tommy and Chris. <laughs> now he starts having turnover on his staff, and there's people coming and going every year. It was still pretty good, but it wasn't the same level. And then he's gone, and it's been three NCAA tournament berths in 15 years. 16 years now. 15, whatever. Whatever. So it's not the letters on the chest. Like The people matter. And the big dog, the head coach, matters. But the assistants matter, too. Absolutely they do, without question. They are earning their cash when they're really good. And he had a series of really good people. But, man, there was a lot of turnover at the end. People were just coming and going. And we've talked about turnover a lot. It's a problem. So consistency matters, and it helps make you better. And I really think that development piece of the puzzle you talked about, you got to have consistency. You get a different voice every year, using different terminology, telling you to do things a different way. It's going to slow your progression. We saw it with Travis Wilson in college. We saw it with Alex Smith in the pros. It's not helpful. Consistency matters. I think it's about the development of the players because you look at what's the best season they've had in the Pac-12. Tyler Hunter's senior year. Yep. You can't argue. Resounding yes. And yeah, they, they had a great defense, and that was probably an exceptional defense in terms of NFL talents. Certainly it was. Uh, and they had, had an exceptional running back. And he was very good. Huntley was brilliant. 
And I don't think people appreciate what he did that season. He was sensational. And he'd been in the program, and I think that was Andy's first year as a coordinator, right? Uh, so he had a new voice, but yet his experience, and it's certainly Andy had a ton of experience and, and knew how to tailor an offense. And I actually think Andy was the right guy. I can remember in, uh, it was either spring ball or August training camp where we're talking about Huntley running, and I had a little one-on-one with Andy. He said, well, that won't happen. Mm. Yeah, I was like, how do you know that? I, I, I sort of said it. Like, you know, are you sure? You've been watching him? He said, I will call plays that will mandate that he either hand the ball off or throw the ball. And he said it in an Andy Ludwig way. Andy Ludwig in an interview is a no-nonsense guy. And he said it to me, looking he's taller than me, looking down at me, like, this will happen, bub. <laughs> he called you bub? No, he said it like. He implied. Bub. Oh, yeah, that's implied, the way I took it. He implied bub. This will happen, bub. So don't you worry so then, your old little face. So speaking we'll be of fine. not worrying your little face, yeah. and all the little youth faces out there, and all the little <laughs> media faces out there, uh-huh. is this a little watermark? Should people not be stressing? Cam's got swag. Oh, at one and, and two, he knows low, what he's doing. Water, low watermark this season. And he knows what he's doing. Bird didn't have complete buy-in. I mean, there was stuff in the body language and the voice. We didn't have a lot of interview sessions, but it was... It wasn't what you dream of in a quarterback. Well, he's not. A, he wasn't a Ute. <laughs> uh, right, exactly. So now you got a guy with swag. You got a guy calm, plays, and knows what he's doing. Is it he's about been to in the get, program three years? Is it about to get a lot better? Cam has been. Cam's invested in the program. He's been I believe in a long it time. is. Maybe I'm wrong, but I believe it is. I think in terms of this season, yes, I think they've bottomed out. I don't think they're going to go eight and one or nine and zero, but I think to a good extent that they've bottomed out. And I'm excited to see what he can do. Now, if they lose Saturday, wow, man, that's a major, major blow. And then we'll at least we won't have to hear, yeah, we're 0-0. Zero zero. I'm sick of that already. Uh, <laughs> but it is a fresh start. You did text <laughs> me that. That was hilarious. I enjoyed getting that text. <laughs> and <laughs> Thanks for the update. I don't follow it closely. Did you know the Utes are 0-0 zero zero conference? No I mean, idea. we've been hearing it uh, left and right all week. And fine. And it's funny because you are 0-0, zero and, zero, and now you've got – a new start with a new quarterback, so it to, it's really weird. I don't know that I've ever experienced this, but it seems like this is the beginning of the season, even though they've played three games. It and and every team that loses, and even if they go three and zero, they look at it well. Okay, don't get cocky and thinking we're all that because it's zero and zero. So there's two ways you can approach the zero and zero. We sucked, so we're zero and zero. Hey, we are, we're three and zero. Big deal. We haven't done anything. We're zero and zero. So. But this has a little extra unusual flair because I can't recall anything happening like this to where the starter for the three games quits and you bring in the new dude right at the time. So it's weird in a sense. I'm really intrigued. Now, fortunately for them, they don't have a big-time overwhelming opponent where they have to play an A-plus game to win. I don't think that's going to be the case. Right, but a win also isn't going to satisfy what the fan base wants. Yeah, it's like, but great, I mean, you so beat the bottom you're, but half. You're, but you're 1-0. You beat the bottom half. And then the you got a week to regroup. 
And yes. then you got to see. So sure, the you don't buy have, really you, does come at a good time. Uh, <laughs> For once, no, it's I don't, actually I don't know that true. It does. I mean, I, yeah, I, I don't. I don't because if they if Cam plays well, then he would have played well in the second half and then played well. You want to keep going, and now you have to stall. You can play those psychological games all you want on that crap. But I'm excited to see what he can do, knowing that he's the starter the whole week and blah, blah, blah. And this is only the second time this has happened. It happened at SC last year. SC had played a game or two, and you'd been battling just to get out on the field. So I can't really judge you on that uh, last season. But now this is a real thing. It's real football, real preparation. So I'm excited for this game Saturday to see what this young man can do. And I hope he kicks butt, because I've been saying for weeks, and who else, Yock? Dylan Colley said, what the crap were they thinking? He should have been starting from day one. Didn't he say that yesterday? Maybe not in those words, but when Colley's speak, His, those are those words, even if they're not the words. The essence of what he said, yes. Yeah. Why didn't you start him? Yeah. He thought it was obvious in spring ball off what he'd seen on social media that the Utes were putting out. Yes. Somebody hired Colley. He knows what he's talking about. I don't know what he's doing, but get him in there. I'm surprised none of those colleagues have gotten into big-time coaching, as competitive as they are. So when I say it, it's ridiculous, but when Colley says it, it's true. What? You should have told Kyle. Colley should have told Kyle. Yeah, but you were just mocking me. That's all you were doing. All right, Riley Jetson, our college football insider, is coming up next. B.J. Reigns, Boise State B-Rider for the Idaho Press Tribune. Big game for the Aggies Saturday morning. He's at 9.05. Stay with us. Join the big show Friday at the warehouse, 2 to 7. Price is so low, it'll blow your mind. <laughs> Boom! DJ and PK, it's time to talk college football with a college football insider, Riley Jensen, who joins us in studio today. Look you guys just, you. I, I heard you guys on the radio earlier this morning. You just seemed a little down. So I thought I'd be, you know, a so bowl of cherries food. for you. I thought I'd be a little bit of sunshine on maybe a dreary day. You guys have been up early. You've been working hard. Well, I've been doing radio. PK's <laughs> been talking about swagger all morning, and I just don't. I'm not feeling it from him. Like he says swagger, I'm not really feeling it from him. Yeah, there's the door. <laughs> See what I mean, Jake? I mean, what do I gotta do? What do I gotta do to pick you guys up? I mean, do I gotta yell at the microphone here? No, we don't need one guy who yells. That's me. That's my job. Oh. It's like that Kevin Hart I'm commercial. not trying to take your job. Guys right across the shrubs. Why are you yelling? Kevin says, it's what I do. <laughs> <laughs> my wife thinks I'm constantly yelling. I'm like, what? I'm just talking. Just talking right? with passion. I'm just that's talking. it, man. I, don't, I hear you. I'm a loud person. Did you not catch that memo? Yeah, that's right. When we fault. were dating? Right. <laughs> right? Get back in the kitchen. Wrong <laughs> 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 answer. That, that would go really well with my New York, New Jersey wife. That would go really well. <laughs> right back at you. Oh, my please, gosh. <laughs> please get back in the kitchen, please. <laughs> I can't even, ima- I, I can't even imagine a scenario where that goes well for me at all. Not one. Here's a scenario that's going well for you. New coach comes in, 3-0. and Let's go! Down double digits, big deal. Got him right where we want him, literally. Dude, 
I did. I, I. There's no way anyone would have scripted this or predicted this the way it's no, no, no. Out. I, I did this not predict a- three. No, I did predict a win against Air Force, though. I, I, I felt good about that because I felt like this is a team that can outscore them, hmm. and I really feel like with Air Force, if you can, if you can stay in the game, eventually you can outscore them if you get a couple of stops, right? But that, look. I don't know what's going on in the water up there. I don't know exactly. I did feel it when I would watch the practices up there that there was like, but I I thought it was like new coach, new vibe. Everybody's trying to buy in. You're just trying to, but they're playing that way. It's it's a faster team. It's a team that's playing with excitement. It's a team. I mean, Justin Rice is really fun to watch. I mean, that guy had 14 tackles. He has an interception, a forced fumble, two tackles for loss. I mean, he just wakes up on Saturdays and dominates on defense. And when you have a guy like that in the middle of the defense, it it really is contagious to the rest of the team. And then you got, you know, you got Logan Bonner, you got Peasley. It doesn't matter who you put in there; those guys are playing hard and fast. You got receivers all over the place. And then if if you think this is a team that can't run the ball. They actually are running the ball really well. I mean, they had 250 yards rushing against uh, Washington State. They had a, a bunch of yards against Air Force. It's just, it's really refreshing to watch. And look, if you're in the state of Utah, I know that ever. I know that the Kyle Whittingham formula works. I know that the Kalani Sataki formula works. I know that you recruit. LDS return missionaries, Polynesian athletes, and then another third of the team is from around the country, wherever you decide to recruit. And it's a great formula. I'm sorry, but it's not very fun for me to watch University of Utah offense sometimes. And sometimes it's not very fun. It hasn't been very fun for me to watch Utah State offense. It is freaking fun to watch Utah State football on offense. I mean, there are plays being made every single series. It's never a three and out. There's If you don't make it, it's like, oh, we just, we just barely missed it. Wait till we get out there again. We're going to have a chance. It's just fun. It's fun. And I... I'm an offensive guy. I'm always going to lean a little bit about. I mean, look, Lavelle Edwards said the greatest defense is a great offense, and I've always believed that. I mean, dude, I was like nine years old when he said it. Like, why wouldn't I believe in Lavelle Edwards? He's the greatest coach ever in the history of the state of Utah, right? I don't know. I'm fired up. You got me talking about the Aggies early. You got me. I'm pumped. Well, Anderson has an extensive background offensively. You look at his track record. This is who he is. He's been a quarterback coach. He's been an offensive coordinator. So obviously he's going to have an offensive philosophy because that's who he's going to be. Whittingham, where did he come from? He came on the other side of the ball. So that's who you're going to be, right? Uh, well, but I thought, but listen, I thought Matt Wells would be a little bit more innovative offensively. He was an offensive guy, but he adopted Gary's formula. And I, and I, and I think that's okay. Like, look, I'm not. I, there's more than one way to win a football game. This is the way I like to win football games. I understand that. It's more exciting to the fan. Yeah. Well, I, that's exactly what I said to Blake on Monday, right? I said, man, thanks a lot, because your games are sure entertaining. I mean, I, I heard fun. that interview. He yeah. sounded stressed, man. He's like, yeah, I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, oh, man. I'll tell you right. what, man, I'd like to do it a little bit different than right, the way we're doing it. Right, because he's judged by wins and losses. I'm right. not. Right. I want to be entertained. Sports is nothing more than entertainment. Are you me. not entertained Absolutely. by Utah State? There's no question. Absolutely. And where am I going to be Saturday morning? Well, I'm going to be. Like just like all three of us are. 10 a.m. watching CBS. Yeah, I want to see what they can do. I want to Boise see their State. offensive philosophy. And can they do the same thing that they have been doing? Because it's been getting better, too. Even the game against the non-D1er, getting down 21-7. Se- thinking, uh-oh, 
No, that was entertaining too. He it would was. easily come in at the end of the game and break out a sixty-yarder up the up the gut. That was fun. It's I, I'll tell you what. I don't know. I don't know what's going on with like college football and NFL football, but I'm totally excited about it. And I and I think if you're if you're a young quarterback in the state of Utah, and I know that there's not like a ton of like. I mean, there are. They're 12 to 18-year-olds listening. You're going to go to California. But if yeah, you're, I well, if you're a young quarterback, though, <laughs> and you're watching Jackson Dart, you're watching Utah State football, you're watching BYU football, you're watching Utah football, think to yourself, do you need to be ready if you're the second-string quarterback? Oh, yeah. <laughs> just watch. Like, I mean, just Jackson Dart football. came in, and I'm telling you, it was lights out in three quarters. He threw for 391 yards and four touchdowns. Right? You got you you, you got Swag Man from the University of Utah that comes. He's in got and plays swag. Well. I don't know if I've told you. <laughs> does he have? Does he? Have, does yeah. Cam Rising yeah. have swag? I don't know if you told. <laughs> and then. And then you look, and then you go to Jaron Hall, who gets dinged up on one play. Baylor Romney comes in, throws a touchdown, right? Uh, it's just, it's all over the place. I mean, there's all kinds of examples, and it's just really fun for me to see guys that are actually ready. Peasley at Utah State, Logan Bonner gets banged up. He was like eight for nine for like 90 yards and a touchdown. He gets pulled back out. I'd be ticked. I was stunned. I was, I was stunned too, but you know I'm what? I'm thinking he's transferring to Utah. <laughs> he, well, you know he's still got his red shirt left if he just transfers before the fourth game, right? Like, is that uh-huh. is that what we're all saying right before now? Before he plays four, right? Yeah. All right. So has he week, played in every game? He's played three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He has. He has. Okay. He has. Yeah. yeah. Good for them, man. Anyway, it's fun. Like, dude. Then you got Tom Brady. Just, I mean, how old is that guy? 40, I can't even four. believe how freaking good he is. He's so good. And I know everybody hates him. And I look, every time you tell me you hate him, you're jealous because he has a supermodel wife. You're jealous. You're just jealous. Don't tell me that he sucks. Don't tell me he's no good. Don't tell me he's overrated because you're just jealous. Like, don't even, ha- I, I don't even want to have a conversation with anybody about Tom Brady. Sorry, I'm going off on tangents here. I, I didn't mean to do that. What do you think of our what we, the discussion we've been having as far as I believe Utah should stick to the formula that had made has made them extremely successful. If you want transfer quarterbacks, fine, but get them like Cam was a freshman. This Jackson kid it's also from Texas, freshman. freshman. Yep. Uh, what's his name? Costelli. He's still way down on the depth chart. He'll, maybe he'll have his time. I don't know, but. If you're going to get these guys, stay away from the one and dunners because they're basically 0 for two in the last two years, and particularly this year, well, they're, they're they've for... wasted all this time with this kid when they could have been developing Cam Rising even more so. Yeah, but they're 0 for two at Utah. They're, it's not it's not 0 for around the country. I mean, yeah, but but this, but this is against Utah's model of getting guys in the program, developing them, and then particularly on defense. When they barely play as a freshman, as a sophomore, they develop into first or second day draft picks. Their their program is about development. Ohio State's program is about winning with NFL guys. So you can get move. Uh, Justin Fields can go from Georgia to Ohio State, and Burroughs can go from Ohio State down to uh, Louisiana, and those types of things. But they're on a different level. I, I I don't necessarily like that Utah with these quarterbacks are getting out of the game's most important position. You're getting out of the formula that you've used and used so successfully, and at this. Position and it's like, well, sure, you want to come? Come on, yeah, you come, you come, you come, and you'll be here. Uh, you're not really a Ute. You're just coming in 
because you think you can play. And the second you can't play, you're out the door. Well, listen, I I hear you. I hear that that has been for a long time. I've been kind of refreshed with Kyle Laley because I think he's been open to trying something new. I think I think it's been an okay, okay experiment. I mean, really, like, how bad are you really hurt by this? Like, you're not really hurt that bad. It's, it's two games, three games. Now you know it's Cam Rising. You know what I mean? Like you, you're you're in a good spot. What what you lost a guy? Yeah, but Big I mean, you wasted. Deal. He couldn't play spring ball, so you got me there. But you wasted all training camp. Yeah, you but wasted even if he was games. at spring, even if he was at spring ball, the 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 mentality and the attitude of the University of Utah is everybody has to compete for their position. So so whether Cam Rising was competing against this guy or whether he was competing against the next guy, he's competing See, against somebody, and he's only going to get half yeah. the reps. And they're never going to give it to him to say, "Hey, Cam, you're the guy." It's just yeah, not the way Kyle works. Yeah, he and doesn't. so and so I I kind of like the experiment. What did you really lose? It's one year. It's like it's not even a whole semester you lost. Well, I think that they, you know, Kyle's coming up towards the end of his career here, and the fan base wants a conference title. Kyle wants a conference title. And the problem is the Tuttles and the Shelleys and however many other young guys I can't remember off the top of my head who've transferred out, the quarterback room, makes air quotes, is empty. And you think you got a pretty good team. You feel like you need an experienced quarterback to win. So I get why they've gone and done it. But go back to the question of, because PK's right about how they develop guys, but they're not developing guys. Guys are bailing before they can develop. They're not holding on to whatever. They're, they get in a box where you only recruit one quarterback because if you recruit a second one, the first one won't come. But then the first one leaves. Shelley left. Tuttle left. So you don't have guys staying in the program getting better. And I think that might be a bigger issue. I think one of the things that... that so I, I know that Jackson Dart was offered by the University of Utah, mm-hmm. but they wanted to keep, keep it quiet so that it didn't stop somebody else. Well, they lost him because of that. They, they lost him. Like, they didn't get Jackson Dart because they said, hey, we're offering you, but let's not make a big deal. You think that's the reason why he didn't go there? I think I think I don't think it's the only reason, but I think it tilted the sky. I mean, look, his dad played for the University of Utah. If there's a guy that I talk to all the time that is really interested in the Utah program, it's Brandon Dart. Uh-huh. Do you know what I mean? And so I think it tilts it a little bit. So they I mean, show him enough love, or what's the point? Yeah, I think it was late. I think it was kind of like, well, okay, I mean, late, you, can, you late can be an issue. But if you're good at quarterback and USC, and this is my bias growing up in San Diego and they're on TV and there's USC alums all over the place. But if USC comes in and says, look at all the guys who gotten drafted, look at all the guys who won Heisman. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, but, I don't but, know how the Utes but, compete with that. But okay, I think they're okay, gonna lose. Okay, maybe maybe against USC, but well, that's who it was though. It well, was USC. Well, but 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 when they offered, it, it had been just BYU. Then 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 it's a quiet offer, and then it's like, okay, well, do you love me or do you not love me? Do you do you, do you want to put a ring on my finger or do you not want to put a ring mm. on my finger? And Beyonce, I think he's Beyonce over here. <laughs> no, so what I what I'm saying is is why not put your best foot forward and do the same thing that you do with quarterbacks when they come into your program and say, may the best man win, may the toughest guy outlast the next guy that really wants to be in our program. But no, they're trying to play this like, oh, I'm gonna be so, I'm gonna be so true, tried yeah. and true to Jack Tuttle. So I'm not gonna offer Zach Wilson. You know what I mean? And then we're gonna offer somebody else okay, that was undercover. You know, you know what I mean? Mistake. Like sure. Yeah, so yeah, 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 so yeah. if you want 
if you want true competition, if you want true quarterbacks, you got to be willing to just go out there and put your best foot forward. Now you Which may is lose. What SC did. Listen, you may lose to USC. You may lose to USC because because it's They're USC. USC. Yeah. But but the thing that USC had working against it is there was two other freshman quarterbacks that have been offered, and he still saying. went because you want to talk about swagger. Go talk to Jackson Dart for five minutes. For five minutes, that's swagger. That dude has swag. Now it's in the hair. Tuttle's got the, or, uh, <laughs> rising's got the no, hair. No, it's. Huh. It, I'm just I, telling I, you, I, it's in his freaking arm. That dude. Anyway, I, I can go off on on Jackson Dart and local talent, and I'm not saying that Utah's going to get every kid that they want and all that kind of stuff. But put your best foot forward, like say, "Hey, dude, we are way interested in you as a corner cannon quarterback. We we want you. We want you to come to the University of Utah. We want you to change the culture. We want you to take us to a Pac-12 South title and a Pac-12 championship and a Rose Bowl. You can do it from Utah. Like say it. Of course you can. Act like you want it. I believe you can. I know you can. Listen, I listen. I'll tell you this: uh, Zach Wilson, Jackson Dart, Devin Brown, some of these guys that are going on to play right now and playing well. Cam Cam Cooper at Washington State. He hasn't played yet, but he'll get his chance eventually somewhere. I don't know if it'll be at Washington State. He's graduated now, and it's not going great. But he'll play somewhere. These guys go and play good places. There's there's guys in this state right now that 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 get offers that aren't as good as guys that. 10 years ago didn't get offers or got an offer to Snow College and they're getting major division 1 offers and I'm like those those guys going and playing on the next level have done more for future quarterbacks in the state of Utah than you can even imagine just by playing well on Well the, the Utes got to start getting some. You know but mean, they that, will. That's great. They but will. If they don't get you in the program, what does it matter? I mean Jackson Dart is meaningless to Utah. In fact, he's actually a detriment to Utah. Right. Cuz they have to play against them. Oops. <laughs> and he looked obviously looked really good. Yeah, and look, Jackson Dart's going to have a couple of struggles here and there, just like everybody else does. But, boy, man, that was an impressive debut. And and you'd like to have a guy like that in the program in the state of Utah. But you got to put your best foot forward if you're going to get a guy like that. you got to lay it down and just say, hey, yeah, but you're the, legit. Take a look at the Dart example, you know, it, 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 and nothing against the kid. But if he's so good – and has a swagger. Why did he leave his high school to go down to play for care? I mean, that makes me wonder a little bit there. I mean, if you're good, you're good. I make you. You don't make me. True. And I'm not talking true, to DJ. But right do you now. think that if he played his senior year at Roy, he's getting all the offers that he got? If you're good, you're good, man. You are, but but if you don't get seen because your team barely goes to the and, to the playoffs, and I don't blame the kid doing it for one second. I would have done it absolutely. Yeah. But my line of thinking is he's outstanding, and he looks like he's going to be a stud. I'm so excited for his future, and I love watching him play. But when you look at what SC, S, steps, SC's SC, right? There's, and then they're big-time program. But he's going to go there under Graham Harrell and going to throw the ball 50 times. There's no way, and you know what, they're going to throw the ball 50 times here. No. Tailback U no. changed its whole philosophy. No, but you, but but Tyler Huntley's playing really well, and I and I have some inside sources that Baltimore Ravens they love Tyler Huntley. Like Tyler Huntley, it would not surprise me if he's a starting quarterback in the NFL sometime in his career because they love him. And if they trade him, they're going to talk about how much they love him and how good he is. Now look, Tyler Huntley didn't put yeah, of gigantic stats, but he can play in the NFL out of Utah. But Why not compared, highlight that? Compared to Harold, see, I under, I get fully 
why the kid went from Roy to Corner Canyon. I supported 100% because he knows he's going to get into an offense that's going to allow him to flourish to the best of his ability. And that's the same get thing to SC. between Utah and USC. That's what I'm saying. So he goes right. because now it's not about succeeding at SC. Now he's doing the same thing he did from high school, put himself in the best ex- position to get the most exposure. Now he wants to go to a program that's going to give him the best exposure for the NFL. That's not Utah. That's SC because yeah. they're going to throw the ball like crazy. So, 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 they, so he so went to SC the yet. same if reason Utah, why he went to Corner Canyon. But if Utah, and it worked but if, stunningly successful. But if Utah breaks through in the Pac-12 South and wins a Pac-12 championship, it changes that. It changes that dynamic. Uh, SC doesn't have does. to win. They don't have to win every year because they've been to Rose Bowls. They've been to all that kind of stuff. But I feel like Utah, if they break through there. I, I just don't see them things. changing their offensive philosophy. With They believe that if they're going to break through, it's going to be because of their philosophy, not to change it. And SC, Clay Helton, by bringing in Harrell, radically changed what we, well, then what pointing do you do? to DJ, well, then, okay. watched for years that's, and years growing that's up. Fine. That's fine. So what do you do? Do you fire Wit? Because I don't think you should fire Wit. Oh, no. Heck no. I don't think you should. I mean, there's people out there talking about it. And I'm like, who, what, what kind of bizarre world am I living in where you've already turned on Kyle Whittingham for yeah. two losses? Like, you've got to be freaking crazy. Well, actually, I think there's a, a group of you people. You can be critical, loud. but it's not fire wit there's, time. There's a group not of even people, in my mind. There's a group of people who's loud, but I don't think it's that big of a group. But they're loud. Dude, it's surprisingly loud and surprisingly right, bigger than I thought. And at the same I time, thought. I was watching people on Twitter last night complaining about what it's costing to get tickets on the secondhand market to the Ute game. There's plenty of people who are on board. That's why that place is going to be No, no, I, I, I guess so, I'm just, I, but really, they, I'm surprised there's even upset. one person seeing, seeing Firewind. I'm, I'm not, because nah. it's, it's 2021, and this is just the way it is. Yeah. And, and it's people who are like, well, he wins nine, a little better than nine, 9.2 games a year, whatever, for six years, but he doesn't have a commerce title. And so if you don't well, have I'd rather be nine win running. Kyle than seven win Steve <laughs> Sarkeesian. <laughs> I mean, that's what his nickname was there. I mean, yeah, you're right. Uh, All right, and DJ then you break PK. through every once in a while for eleven. Since you're here, you got one more segment. Yeah, here? I can do one more. All right, one more segment, and we'll talk about BYU and their three and start and where it's going from here. And we'll do that next. Stay with us. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. Blake Anderson, head coach at Utah State. Obviously, all of us are looking at your quarterback right now, wondering how his health is and what the potential is for him to play in the upcoming weeks. Oh, he'll play. He took a tough shot. He really did. And he could have probably played, but just didn't feel like he could be very effective. And Andrew came in and did a phenomenal job, obviously, with his legs and made some big throws to help us win that thing. But I think he'll practice without a problem. He'll be sore, but would expect on game day that he's ready to go completely. He's tough, and he's been beat up before. I think uh, just that particular night, the back was just at a point where he just didn't feel like he could be as effective as Andrew was, and, and he told us, Coach, I, I think he's got a better chance of getting us through. I just don't think I can turn on the ball like I need to. Hanson Scotting, weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Join Hans and Scotty at University Federal Credit Union at the Ranches Branch on Friday from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. 3535 Ranches Parkway in Eagle Mountain. Riley Jensen doubling down this week. He's in studio. Just spent a segment on the Aggies and the Utes and quarterbacks and BYU 3-0. Sweet. How surprised are you? 
I'm I'm pleasantly surprised. It's fun to see BYU play well. It's fun to see them. I mean, look, <clears throat> there's a lot of those guys that I have connections to for whatever reason. I mean, you you look at James Empey, you see him playing out there. Tyler Beatty is a fun player to watch. Jaron Hall, I mean, look, for a guy that's replacing the number two pick in the draft, he couldn't be more mature. He couldn't be more solid. He couldn't be he's, – he's everything you want for their system right now. Look, <clears throat> Jaron Hall would be – the perfect quarterback at in the University of Utah system right now because the the problem with Brewer was is he couldn't make the plays with his feet to get out and throw on the run. <clears throat> Jaron Hall is doing a great job of staying in the pocket when he's supposed to and then running when he's supposed to and then throwing on the run when he's supposed to. He has a really, really good sense for when to do what. In fact, with Tyler Huntley up at the University of Utah, like I felt sometimes he was forcing the issue too much. So, like, when everyone is saying, oh, he's a great running quarterback, he was trying to show everybody they could throw. And then when he was doing pretty well run, uh, throwing the ball, then he was trying to show everybody they could run. Instead of just letting it happen naturally. And I feel like Jaron has a pretty natural sense for, like, when to run, when not to run. And I, I, you have to give a lot of credit to Aaron Roderick for that. And I've been very vocal about how good Aaron Roderick has been because I feel like quarterbacks are developing under him. Sure. And I think in the past at BYU, not... I, I mean, the near past, there's been times where quarterbacks haven't developed like I would like. Jaron Hall, when he was in high school, if I were to be critical of him in high school, is that he would turn every play into a backyard football game, and he would run around because he was the best athlete on the field, and then it was it was backyard football, and he'd throw the ball to a guy for a touchdown, and you go, and I'd be like, yeah, but... Can he can he go three steps and throw a slant on third down and three and get you a first down? That was my criticism, and he's doing it. So what I like about it is, not only does he have a pretty natural sense for it, but I know that him and that he and Aaron have worked on that because it's much better than it was when I saw him play in high school. How much of BYU's success right now is a product of that very thing you're speaking of? The program. Along with which is a combination of coaches and players growing up, basically. Oh, I, I maturing. The, the 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 biggest thing that I would say about Kalani in the last two years that you start to that you're able to see that maybe you couldn't see in the first part of his career at BYU is the development of players. Right, players that are going in there that were really good high school players, but are continuing to get. Tyler Beatty is out of pace in high school, middle of nowhere. There's uh, he's he's your deal where if you're good, you're good, right? And he was like, I mean, I remember watching him the first time, going, "Who the freak is this guy from Payson?" Like, he's dominating these drills, right? But he's not only done that; he's now gone to BYU, gone on a mission, come back and developed. Right, and so you're seeing it at defensive line. You're seeing it at the quarterback position. You're seeing it at offensive line. You're seeing these guys mature and grow into these really, really good football players. And it's really fun for me, on a personal level, to watch a guy like Isaiah Kafusi like really grow in the program. Or you watch, you know, some of these guys. They're just really fun to watch. I mean, Dax Milne. I mean, I remember seeing Dax Milne when he was like in seventh grade, like trying to compete with people, wearing these like flash goggles, catching tennis balls, like. Doing all this weird stuff, and I'm like, dude, the guy's like five foot nothing. Like, how is this? And but he's pretty good. He's got a lot of chutzpah in him. But then to go and see him develop at BYU, and now he's on the Washington football team. Like, it's fun to watch them develop. I I 
I will always, from from this point forward, I will always be an Aaron Roderick fan because, look, uh, and I think John Beck does a great job, by the way, down in California. So this is not a cut on John Beck. So please don't take this the wrong way at all. No, everybody has to choose. One guy gets cr- no, all no, the credit. No, 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 the other no. guy gets none. Pick. Well, what, what people don't understand, because I coach, I coach quarterbacks individually. I have like over... 40 quarterbacks right now that I work with individually in the state of Utah. There's only so much you can do in an individual training session that you can't do in a team session. And you have to give a lot of credit to Aaron Roderick because he's put he's now put Zach Wilson and Jaron Hall in really, really good situations in practice that help them to learn and develop and know how to read a defense. You can't do that as an individual coach. The other thing that's really important about Aaron Roderick to me is that he has enough confidence to let these guys have their own swagger, to let to let Zach Wilson throw the ball sidearm or try to hurdle someone. A lot of guys, and including myself as an offensive coordinator, like you get a little bit side. Ah, you're breaking the rules. You're breaking the rules. Don't break the rules. There's rules to play quarterback, and you can get caught up in the ego of that, right? Mm-hmm. And you have to really admire Aaron Roderick for just. He 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 has enough confidence in himself. Like no, let him play. Let him play a little within these rules, right? Like he has a broader set of rules than I ever did with quarterbacks, and I think it lets him play a little bit more free. I mean, Jaron Hall hasn't been perfect, but man, he's been pretty solid. He's been pretty solid, especially for a guy that's replacing a second round draft pick. Because there's a lot of expectations in that yeah, position yeah, yeah. now. No question. Going forward, do you think this program can take off as it transitions into the Big Twelve? I think it can if they continue to play as physical as they're playing in the trenches. Like that offensive and defensive line right now is really, really physical. They out Utahed Utah no in the rivalry game. That yeah. was that was where they won that game. Now, I thought the same thing about the University of Utah when they were transitioning to the Pac-12, and I think Kalani when they was the defensive coordinator when they first transitioned, if I remember right. But I, I may not. But I was like, man, is as a defensive coordinator, are you really going to go like seven in the box and play man to man in the Pac-12? Like how the free and they've done it because, like you guys have said, and I've heard you say it on the radio before, they're indoors that they weren't normally in, and they're getting guys that they didn't used to get, and so the level goes up a little bit. BYU is going to have to do that if they want to play the same time, and there's going to be a couple of growing pains in the Big 12, but I think they can play this style of defense and this style of offense in the Big 12 and win, especially if they keep recruiting the meat and potatoes that they've been doing with the offensive and the defensive line and continuing to develop them. I, look, I'm very complimentary of BYU right now. It's fun when BYU's playing well. I wish Utah had a little bit better start than what they've had because I think with Utah State at 3-0, and BYU at 3-0, and and maybe Utah at 2-1 and with a loss to BYU, like this would be really fun. I mean, it's really fun anyway to me, but it'd be really fun to be talking about football in the state of Utah right now. So you look at BYU's schedule, and currently there are no ranked teams on it. Maybe USC will be ranked at the end of the year. Maybe somebody else will be. Between now and USC... Well, you said UCLA was ranked. You told me I'm last talking week. BYU's schedule. Oh. BYU doesn't play UCLA. So That's where, right, they play SC. Right. <laughs> okay, gotcha. Right. So I'm just curious where you think BYU could be in trouble. Do you think they're going to sail through this? Rose Bowl. So there's the USC game. There's there's one other game when I was looking through the schedule the other day that I read off the rest of the games to me just real well, quick. Baylor and Virginia. And oh, it's Boise. Baylor. Boise. It's Baylor because hey, is Boise, it at Utah Baylor State or home? Too. It's at Baylor, isn't it? South Florida this week. Then they yeah. go to the Aggies, home to the Broncos. Then it's at Baylor, at Wazoo, 
home to Virginia, and then it's Idaho State, Georgia Southern, Southern. USC. So, so I remember looking through the schedule thinking that they had two losses, but I didn't know which two they would be. So so Baylor, Virginia, Utah State, USC, those are all like, those, depending Boise? on how. And Boise. Utah State? Right? Come like, on. Yeah. Well, the only reason I'm throwing Utah State in there is because at Utah State, mm-hmm. right? and I think Utah State's playing a high level, and I think Utah State can score points. So if it gets into a shootout, does BYU have the firepower to they shoot out? They haven't scored 30 points in a game right. yet, so although they haven't needed to. Right. And as people who, and as people, I mean not just us, our listeners, as people who laughed at win by nine, not by two, because that cost BYU a Stanford game once upon a time, you can't really, you know, BYU didn't need 30. But against the Aggies, they might. They right. haven't, and, I, but and they might. And we'll just have to see what happens. Like, I, I'm really excited about that matchup, just as an Aggie fan and a former Utah State quarterback. But I, when I look through their schedule, I could see two losses in there. And and maybe just because of a letdown. Like, they're, they're, you, you know what I mean? Look, it's hard to go undefeated. Oh, sure. And it's yeah. hard to win Division One games. But they could also run the table and everybody's singing hallelujah and, you know, all wow. that kind of stuff. Well, so like, they run the table, man. Hello, Kalani Sataki. Here's the, <laughs> no, listen, here's the good news. Here's the really good news about if you're a BYU football fan right now. You're going to go into every single one of these games with a healthy expectation that you could win. That's a good place to be because when you're with a team where you're like, yeah, mm. we're not, yeah, we're probably really good. like if you're Riley Jensen cheering for Utah State against Wazoo and you're like, yeah, we're 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 not gonna win this game, <laughs> like like going into it and then you get in the game, you're like, holy crap, it's six five, but for some reason this offense feels kind of exciting to me and the defense is flying around, they're playing and then they're scoring and then and then they win and you're just elated. But I had no expectation. That Utah State was going to beat Wazoo on the road, like none, none, and and no, and I if they would have come out of that game and lost, I would have been like, hey, nice job, Coach Anderson, dude. Like these guys are playing a different level of football right now. Like that looked like a healthy football team, like a, a, an encouraging football team. So if you're BYU and now you beat Arizona State, you beat Utah, and we'll see how good those teams really are as we go down the season. But you've got a chance to win every these game, uh, every one of these games, and a healthy chance to win, not just like a like a ooh, I hope we win. Like, but like you could you A could, plus, we got to play A plus, and they got to play C. You yeah. can beat USC, you can beat Baylor, you can beat Virginia, you can beat Utah State, you can beat Boise State, and those are the five games that I'm thinking maybe they lose two of those. Well, Baylor. Robbie Bosco and Jaron Hall, the only two quarterbacks. <laughs> <laughs> Good news, Jaron. You get to look forward to a life of golf. Yeah. <laughs> get your lifetime cushy gig. Yeah, right. Hey, man, it's got a ring. It's played pretty good in 84. Yeah, no question about that. I remember that. watching. I was 10. I don't. And I watched every game. I was older. I watched every game. Did you really? Yeah. Every single game. That was a different era. We, listen, we couldn't, you, we couldn't. We lived out of state. You couldn't when, see every game when in that you were, when, when you were living in the state of Utah between like 1980 and 1992, like BYU quarterbacks, I mean, I remember standing in the southeast corner of the end zone at Utah State University growing up in Logan, and I couldn't believe I was watching Steve Young play. I couldn't believe that I could, like they were, down, they were backed up in the south end zone and he was calling the play and I was like... Oh my gosh, that's Steve Young. I mean, dude, I wore number eight in college at Utah State because of Steve Young, 
right? Like, the, there was nothing like quarterback you in the 80s if you're growing up. I mean, I mean, let's just be honest. Let's call it what it was. I know Utah State fans are going to get mad at me right now, but come on, man. You know, like, and there was arguments in my family, like, hey, who's the greatest BYU quarterback ever? It still happens in my family. And in my family, it's not even a question. It's Jim McMahon. They're like, you don't even know, right? And, and I don't, because when he played, you're talking about like five five to eight years old. Like, I don't really you were, get You couldn't really analyze quarterbacks no, in the first but they're like, they're like Riley. They're like Riley. He was fast. He had a cannon. He had swagger. And where did he go to high school? Roy High School. Oh, so you don't really. Oh, they were a little bit better than the Roy High School today. Don't give me that crap. Dude, you're so full of crap. Your eyes are brown right now. Don't try and play. And that I am a charger. <laughs> Your wife is a charger. <laughs> well, if they win, I'm a charger too. Listen, you can't bandwagon like that just because your wife works at the school. <laughs> bandwagon? Yeah, dude, you didn't Watch jump. Him. No, no, you, you said you used to bad. call him Coral Canyon for me. You used to do it for me. You called him Coral Canyon. That's not. You called him Coral Canyon. You don't bring up the bandwagon. Tank. Bring up the tape, when, Jake. But that was before family. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Once family got so involved. So you're not really a fan no, until family not, got involved. No, well, of course yeah. you so you're on family. the bandwagon. No, it's not you bandwagon. You jumped on the if, wagon. If I was a BYU fan, just like uh, the Coveys, you think the Coveys aren't rooting for Utah when they play BYU? As soon as he's yes. done, as soon as he's and, done, oh, they're all putting their BYU done, gear back I'll on. I'll go back to Brighton or Jordan or wherever. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't decided <laughs> yet. <laughs> listen, but listen. right now, when you're drawing a paycheck, so we're watching Corner play the other night. I, I said, know. And she said, coached this guy. <laughs> and she I, taught this guy. And so, he's a fine young man. And I we told, really like him. I told oh, him. my gosh. Corner Canyon kids are the greatest kids in the history I, of the state of Utah. Girl, you've been here for one hour, and this pisses you off. <laughs> It does kind of it's piss me off. Man, you follow family. <laughs> I love the lady. What can I tell you? So I tell I mean, her, it's revisionist history. It's not. It's oh, accurate. It is. There's it's, plenty it's of that. Accurate. There's been a big dose of that I'm this morning. I'm nothing but a covey. I follow my family. So I tell her, hey, tell care this or that. So she sees him on Monday. She says, oh, man, PK said to tell you something. I can't remember what it is. And he says, well, I mean, oh, it's PK. It's probably you can kiss my bleep. Listen, <laughs> listen. I can tell you this: if my wife was teaching or working at the rival school, I'm not a fan of that school because they're at the rival. The rival. Now, school. my kid, my kid, if he goes, I'm like, where do we buy the hat? And where? But if my wife works there, I oh, don't know. Well, that's yeah. because I'm just know. a better husband than you. <laughs> <laughs> don't don't get in the way of this. That's shtick. probably true for other reasons, don't, but not for that reason. Don't get in the way of the shtick. Right. All right. Just let it roll. Dude, that was fun. You guys were all like tired and like not smiling. Look at you guys, you're smiling. You need a little more Riley in your life. <laughs> That's what you need. Stop by anytime, Riley. All right, you're always welcome. Thanks for having me. Riley Jensen joining us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Coming up at 9 o'clock, BJ Reigns, Boise State beat writer for the Idaho Press Tribune. He will tell you why the Broncos will wreck Riley's weekend and the weekend of Aggie fans everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> DJ and PK. It's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. BJ Reigns in 15 minutes. For the Cougars. And the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. It ain't over till it's over. BYU welcomes South Florida to Lavelle Edwards Stadium this Saturday. Listen all week for your chance to win tickets to the game. And then catch the Cougar pregame show Saturday at 6. With the postgame show starting immediately following the game on the Zone Sports Network. From Monday.
Monday morning to the post-game press conference. Nobody brings you better coverage of Cougar football than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK reminding you the Salt Lake Bees open a series tomorrow against the Sacramento Rivercats at Smith's Ballpark. Come out and support the Bees. It's better at the ballpark. Get your tickets at vividseats.com. We got a four pack of tickets to tomorrow night's game for caller number 12 right now at 855 340 Zone. 855 340 Zone. Be caller 12 right now on a Win Tickets Wednesday. Yeah, I find what Riley Jensen is saying somewhat, uh, it, certainly all of it's interesting, but this idea of Okay, what did Utah really lose? But then you have Kyle saying that Brewer won the job based on experience. So now Cam Rising is going to make his second college start. And last year it didn't really count. At 14 plays, he's out. He's done for the season. And to me, he's going to need some opportunity to develop, right? He's a youngster. And he well, lost two non-conference games against BYU and San Diego State when he could have gotten experience. Yeah, 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 yeah. Not lost in the term of wins, I mean, score. I'm saying the opportunity the snaps, to experience. The snaps yeah. to just and, learn. and so maybe it doesn't show up against Washington State. But will it show up against SC? Yeah. Or maybe that offensive line and the receiving core aren't good enough and they were never going to beat USC okay, in the but first place. Maybe not, but that's even more so You why you want him to have the experience because then he'll know, hey, my line this year, it isn't very good, so here's what I need to do. And, and they're going to do that. I think you're going to see that right away. You're going to see him rolling away from pressure. You're going to see a lot of that. And you're going to see him create something out of nothing. It stands to reason that anybody, the fifth or sixth time you're doing something, yeah. you're probably better than the first or second. And what he lost was about, uh, I don't know, 100, 150, whatever it was, snaps. That's what he lost. That's you know Riley says they haven't really lost anything, and from the team perspective, because they want to win a conference title, they haven't lost anything there. But that hundred to hundred fifty snaps that Cam could have been playing in the non-conference is what they lost, we and however many practice reps. And too. we don't know how much of a difference that makes because Jackson Dart against the very same team that Cam Rising is going to play against came in and lit it up. Yes, and but that's awesome. why it's not just if you're trying to win a conference title, it's not just about this game. It's a ten game process. Right, so maybe it doesn't matter at all. Maybe he comes in and looks brilliant in the way that Jackson looked brilliant. I sure. thought Jackson looked brilliant. I'm not a quarterback evaluator, but I sat there and watched the game and thinking, "Wow, yeah." And we just you're, we have CBS not, Sports on here. And they, and they were, were just talking. They about were him. showing him yeah. while we were talking yeah. about him. They yeah. rolled the cover video at the perfect time. For right. Us. I mean, he's he just looks like a bona fide stud. I'm I'm so excited to see what he can do. One other reaction uh, while Riley was talking, and we were talking about BYU and when are they going to lose again? We got this tweet from Road Wins and Home Losses. How ticked off are BYU fans going to be when Bronco ruins their quest for perfection? That'd be funny. Yeah. Uh, that that's would a, be. That's a quality tweet right there. I, I agree. Re, irregardless of the eventual final score, that's a quality tweet. Sure. BYU he, might win by 20, lose by 20, win by one, lose by one. I, I have no idea. He that's brought too far the away. quest for perfection to the forefront with yes. that. I think they had t shirts, if I remember correctly. 2008. Yeah, I don't know what to think of Virginia. Obviously, I'm not watching them very closely, but I do know they gave up 59 to Carolina. Hey, I now. Mean, I mean, that's a lot, a lot of points. Of points. Man, that is a lot of points. <laughs> now, they scored a lot of points that game, too. I think it's 39. Yeah, 59 39. It's a. What are you playing in? You playing indoor football over there? Yeah, I, was six like, on I watched six? some of that game. Oh, you did? Yeah, it was. On, I think it was on my. Uh, it was on ESPN two. Was it on two? I think. Oh, I thought it I was thought on it was. the ACC. Network, oh, maybe it was. Which no, I, I get right. on direct. Okay. 
All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Coming up next, BJ Reigns, Boise State B-Rider for the Idaho Press Tribune. 10 a.m., Broncos and the Aggies. We thought one team might be undefeated. We thought the other team might be one and two. They kind of flipped roles here. We'll get to that next. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We are joined now by BJ Reigns, Boise State beat writer for the Idaho Press Tribune. He joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. Best of State Award winner Smart Rain is having an end-of-season sale on the irrigation smart controller. Save 50% off each smart controller purchased. Offer available to all commercial properties on listeners. Visit smartrain.net to schedule a demo today. Good morning, BJ Reigns. How are you? I'm doing great, guys. What's going on? Welcome back to the show. Thanks for coming on again. Always a pleasure. So, uh, I guess I'm just curious. I see the record 1-2. and two. That's not good, but a one-point game with Oklahoma State at home. The opener with UCF had the courage to go play on the road against a quality opponent. Lots of teams run from that because they're afraid they might lose. So, are the Broncos really that good? Should I just ignore the record? What do you think? Yeah, I mean, that's kind of their rallying cry this week as they get ready for conference play. Uh, hey, we're you know six points away from uh, being three and L, so that's what they're trying to remember. And you know they should have won the UCF game. That was a, a pretty bad game, and, and they kind of were up 21 points and gave it away in the third quarter. And, and really, the you know Oklahoma State game, if you talk to fans and everybody else, I mean there was an incorrect whistle blown. Uh, Boise State had a scoop and score, and they blew the whistle while Boise State was returning for some reason. Uh, said he was down, but after reviewing the play, it was clearly a fumble. So they at least gave Boise State the ball. Um, but uh, didn't give them the touchdown they had. And then that was with like three minutes left in the game. And then Boise State missed the field goal. It got tipped, and they lost by one. So um, there is real, you know, if you're a diehard Boise State fan or whatever, you can easily make an argument they should be 3-0. and But with that said, they still have some significant problems, and um, they're really struggling to run the ball. They can't stop the run. Um, they have not been good at all in the second half uh, of games. And so, yeah, they could be 3-0, and but they – one and two, based on the problems they have, is probably about where they should be at this point. So I look at them offensively. Bachmeyer's been around for a while. We know what he can do. Shakur's a big-time receiver as far as I'm concerned. Uh, very, very good. But uh, statistically, disappointed in their rush game. What's going on? Yeah, I mean, they're one of the worst rushing teams in the country right now. And a combination of things. I mean, George Shalani, their 1,000-yard back, uh, didn't play in the first game against Central Florida. They've had some offensive line injuries and having to shuffle some guys around. But um, for whatever reason, they've just been not been able to run the ball. Um, they, you know, they've got, um, I think Utah State has like four guys with more rushing yards than Boise State's leading rusher. And so, um, yeah, it's been really bad. They just can't run the ball. They only had 20 yards rushing against Central Florida. They only have like 61 rushing yards uh, against Oklahoma State. And, again, you're talking about a – an Oregon transfer that they brought in that has you know 21 career touchdowns at Oregon in three years, and you're talking about a guy in George Halani that rushed for a thousand yards uh, as a true freshman two years ago. So they feel like they have the talent; it's just not coming together for them. And so um, there's you know they, they they say they have um, identified some things to try to get it going, um, but for whatever reason it just has not worked. They, they run the new you know RPO stuff, so they say some of the plays would have been runs, but they end up being passes, and they've got you know excuses for it all, but. Um, it just hasn't it hasn't worked to this point, and it's really been uh, the the problem with the offense is when they need to run and get you know first downs and just kind of sustain some drives and keep the clock going. Especially in the second half, that Central Florida game, they just could not run the ball and kept having to give it back to Central Florida, and that's why they ended up losing the game. Two yards of carry is a staggeringly bad number, and I know quarterbacks one twenty seven out of one thirty. So. 
how much of it are you putting on the backs? How much of this is the O-line? Are there just no holes there? And is Utah State likely to dominate the line of scrimmage? Well, uh, it's a combination. Um, I, I, I think George Helani's a good running back. He had 1,000 yards, as I said, just two years ago. And they've been working him back. And he had only had five carries in his first game back two weeks ago. He had 12 carries last week. So I think he's going to be back to to full strength uh, 100% with no kind of uh, limitations this game. And if they give George Helani 15-plus carries – you know, you know, over his career, that's meant he's going to run for 100 yards. So um, we'll, you know, see. We'll see what that looks like. Um, but they've had some injuries on the offensive line. They're still playing with their backup center. Their starting center has been out uh, all season with an injury. They had their uh, All Mountain West preseason first team right guard Jake Stetz went down in the Central Florida game, which they said was a big problem. And then he missed the uh, UTEP game. He came back last week, so they've had to shuffle some guys around. But the five they expected to have, you know, this year they still don't have. And so um, they, they claim that's, you know, hopefully another week of practice with this group of five working together. Um, they think it'll be better. I mean, they, you know, they've got you know, two, their left tackle was pre, you know, two of the five preseason all mountain West linemen were, were Boise state. So you would think the line would be good. So I think that they feel like it's just, you know, they say it's really close to clicking and it just hasn't. And the offensive coordinator was pretty adamant that we're going to run the football and it's going to click and it's going to happen soon. Um, and so we'll see if he's right this week. But, you know, we're 25% through the season, and they are really struggling to run the ball. Even in the UTEP game, the only time they rushed the ball was in the fourth quarter with uh, two walk-ons when the game was, you know, 54-13 to 13 or whatever. So you look at their actual two games, and they're, you know, basically the worst team in the country running the football. Avalos being the first-year coach now, he's a former Boise guy, so he's familiar with everything there. How much has changed, if anything, in terms of philosophy from Harson to Avalos? Well, I mean, he's a defensive guy. He's the first you know, head coach with a defensive background at Boise State in 20-plus years. I mean, they had a string there with uh, Harson and then Peterson and Hawkins and even Dirk Cutter. I mean, you have to go back to, like, uh, Houston Nutt, I think, in, like, 1997, uh, where you had a, a defensive head coach come in, so... Um, you know, it, it, even before that. So, I mean, it, it, uh, it's, you know, that's been a little different, and that's why it's been so surprising that, you know, you guys are talking about running the football, but it's been just as bad, if not worse, uh, stopping the run uh, as well. They've been uh, horrible, giving up over 200 yards per game on the ground, uh, stopping the run, and they've had two of their worst uh, opponent rushing performances from non-triple option teams. To, you know, two of the last four worst in the last, like, 11 years have been this season, and so um, that's been more of the surprise. The defensive guy comes in and hasn't been able to, um, you know, defensively uh, stop the run, and so, which traditionally they were really good at when he was the defensive coordinator here. But overall, not much has changed. I mean, he retained a couple coaches, brought in some new guys. And, um, I think it was a nice breath of fresh air. Everybody in Boise, everybody outside the program, inside the program, everybody was, you know, very happy. And, uh, you know, Brian Harson did some good things, did a lot of things. But, um, you know, I think his message was, uh, maybe starting to wear off a little bit, and I think a lot of people were excited about a fresh start with Andy Avalos. And he's come in and done a really good job, and um, you know. But sure enough, they're on Twitter after the last game. Uh, you already had fans calling for him <laughs> to be fired after three games. So I mean, that's just that's just the way it goes when you lose a game. Um, but uh, I think he's a good coach, and I think he's going to do a fine job. It's just uh, you know, this is what some people think maybe is the hardest schedule in Boise State history. Uh, from start to finish, and so there's there's not a lot of guaranteed wins on the schedule this year, and and uh, he took you know a little bit of a rough time to have it be the hardest schedule for his first year. So what's the players' confidence level? I mean, do they they because Boise State is just I mean they walk out on the field like they're going to blow teams off the field, and then they often blow teams off the field. So when you don't do that, and you got a new coaching staff, and the voice is different, do you see do you see a little wavering or no? 
No, not really. I mean, I think, like I said, they, they, they've been saying for two weeks or whatever, they know they blew the Central Florida game or um, they, they know they should have won that game. And that was a road game against a, a pretty good opponent. And they, they feel like they were the better team in that game. So they had confidence that they were just as good as them, if not better, and gave the game away. And I think the same goes for Oklahoma State coming in. They, they feel like they uh, you know, didn't score a point in the second half and, um, again, had a scoop and score that wasn't called, had a um, you know, chance for a 36-yard field goal to win the game, and it didn't happen. So I think they feel like they're, you know, again, every bit as good as these teams. They just haven't – the ball hasn't bounced their way, and they've made a couple key mistakes and key times to lose the game. So, you know, their record is what it is, one and two, but they feel like that they very easily could be three and zero. Oh, and so I think they're trying to rally around that, have that confidence. And, and again, you know, really at Boise State, their goal is winning the Mountain West. I mean, it's, and I know they've had the New Year's Six Bowl games and all that, but on the, you know, in the team room, their goal right up there on the wall, it says to win the Mountain West Conference in a bowl game. Um, so they kind of reset when, when they get into conference play, and they've won 19 straight games against Mountain Division teams. They haven't lost to a team in the Mountain Division since 2016. And so they just take care of their teams in their division, and they know that's going to get them into the championship, and that's kind of how they go about it. And so I think that um, this you know, conference play comes at a nice, nice you know, point here where they can kind of reset, put those first three games behind them, and start their new season of conference play. And um, you know, I think all of us have dreams of getting to that Jimmy Kimmel Bowl in L.A., and, and that's uh, still alive for them at this point. So you speak of the – Inability to stop the rush, which is somewhat surprising because they go into the defense uh, the end of the year returning, like, what, eight or nine starters, a couple of uh, all the conference linebackers. Uh, I would have thought maybe the pass defense would not necessarily be a weakness, but if I'm comparing it to stopping the run, I would have thought that that would have been a little weaker. You know, they lost pretty two pretty good corners last year in Williams and Walker. Uh, so I don't really understand what the problem is as far as stopping the run. Well, that's Boise State's trying has the same the same uh, feeling as you do trying to figure that out. I mean, you're right because they had two new starting corners this year. Um, they lost two All Mountain West corners from last year, and so if you had to pick one area, you would have probably picked the the pass defense and the secondary to be a little bit uh, more of a question mark. Um, they came in with a a lot of um, you know a lot of uh, you know, strength and hype on the defensive line. And they've had some injuries. You know, they have a starting D tackle, uh, Scaly Gahan, that, that took a leave of absence for personal reasons. Don't know if he's coming back or when or what happened there. They've got another, you know, rotation D lineman uh, tackle that's going to be out this game. So um, they're dealing with some injuries and things like that. But um, it's just a group that's underachieved. And, you know, Frank Miley, the former uh, Utah State coach, and uh, is, you know, the defensive line coach. And, and he took a lot of that blame this week on him and said it starts with me. These guys just – I haven't had him ready to play, and and so he, uh, you know, put a lot of that on his shoulders this week. That the D line just has to play better, and so I agree with you that it's uh, you know surprising and surprising to Boise State fans. And um, but they've been talking about it so much this week that um, I guess you know that they know because obviously Utah State can run the ball. It's going to be another challenge for them. But um, they've been just you know ingraining it in their head this week. Every interview, every comment is about that. So I, I would be kind of surprised if they don't come out and make some improvements uh, on the rush defense and running the ball offensively this week. So what's been the reaction from uh, Boise State as far as all the news about the Mountain West and the AAC and CSU and Air Force? To a lesser degree, Boise State and San Diego State being linked to that, but apparently not not willing to go, waiting for the Big 12 to call. How is that all playing out there? 
Yeah, I think they're waiting for the Big 12 to call, and I think that they are expecting the Big 12 to call or hoping the Big 12 to call. They feel good about it, I think, in the next couple of years. I mean, I, I don't think it makes any sense for them to go down to a, a watered-down American Athletic Conference right now that doesn't have UCF or Cincinnati or Houston. I mean, that, that's a completely different conference without those teams. And so really doesn't, you really don't gain a whole lot with all the added travel that you would have to have, and not just for football, but for your, you know, women's volleyball team to have to go play East Carolina in a conference game and stuff like that. And and so um, I think you take some of that travel concern if you're in the Big 12 because you're, the money is so much better that you're able to charter more flights and do things like that. But to, to put that burden on a, you know, for the a conference that really right now you could argue isn't even that much better at all if it is better at all than, than the Mountain West. I think this doesn't make any sense. And so. Um, I, uh, I think they're, you know, they're probably listening at least to hear, hear the offer and, and hear, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, be able to sweet talk the Mountain West into, you know, something. I don't know what, what they're, you know, they have the Boise State has the leverage right now. Boise State is kind of the, uh, you know, the, the team that's kind of holding the cards for what's going to happen with the AAC and the Mountain West, really. And so, um, but I, I don't think it makes much sense. I'd be shocked if they went to the American, uh, unless the Americans somehow took a large number of Mountain West teams with them. I just don't see that happening. I think Boise State's going to wait it out. Um, you know, they were pretty disappointed they weren't included in the first round of the Big 12 expansion. You know, they mentioned football success being one of the main things. And, you know, other than BYU, you really could put Boise State's football, uh, you know, especially the last two decades, success up with any of those schools. And so um, I, I think that they feel like um, if there is another round, which they're confident there will be once Texas and Oklahoma leave, that they would be a strong fit. I think when I, when I heard that BYU was going in for all sports and not just football, I immediately said Boise State will end up in the Big 12, you know, just my personal opinion, because I think it makes too much sense. We talk about travel partners and things like that. It's, it'd be a lot easier for the West Virginia, you know, soccer team to come play BYU and Boise State on a road trip than have to come all that way just to play one game. So I think having a team close to BYU or a regional rival, um, I think that just makes a lot of sense. And so when Texas and Oklahoma decide to leave, uh, Boise State and their fans and everybody are just you know, quietly sitting and waiting and hoping that they, they get a shot to – to get in the Big 12 at some point because they've proven themselves. Every conference they've been, I mean, they've only been an FBS team since 1996. I mean, this is not some program that's been uh, doing this stuff for 50 years. I mean, they're fairly young Division Division One FBS conference, but every time they move up, whether it be uh, from the WAC to the Mountain West to, you know, whatever, I mean, they, they, they've proven that they can win at that level. And if you get Boise State the resources and the money and the recruiting budgets and things like that as a Big 12 team, I think they're pretty confident they'd be able to compete in that conference as well. So Utah State has really piled up the points, particularly last week, obviously, against the Air Force. they got some big play capabilities with their wideouts and quarterbacks can move and all that stuff. Uh, Boise, with their inability to run the ball, and as I already talked about, they got a stud receiver, I think, who play in the NFL. Uh, so the thought for you is if it gets into a slugfest, a scoring type of thing, up and down, you think Boise right now has enough offense if they need to to put like forty-five, fifty on the on the scoreboard? Oh, I mean, I, I I think so. We just haven't really seen it. I mean, we saw it in um, you know the Central Florida game, the first half. They're moving the ball up the field and had a couple of really nice touchdown drives, and they were looking you know twenty-four to seven, and they're like, man, this offense is is uh, is going to be great because we just heard so much about it, and then. It just kind of went away in the second half. It came back, and we saw it. And we, we've seen it in spurts. They just haven't been able to put it together for four quarters, and that's been another big emphasis. You know, their third quarters have been awful this year. And I know it's, uh, you know, Utah State's been really, really good in the second half, too. 
um, which is, you know, a concern for them because Boise State, I think, has got like 85 points in the first half and only 22 in the second half of three games. And I looked at Utah State's numbers, and they're almost the opposite. I think Utah State has 85 points in the second half. So um, it's certainly going to be uh, something that they're focused on is finishing four quarters and finishing the game because both the games they've lost have been right there. And if they'd had one more touchdown drive, um, they could have done it. They had three three-and-outs in the third quarter against Central Florida, two three-and-outs, uh, you know, and they only ran six plays because uh, Oklahoma State took the, the clock, and they went two three-and-outs in the third quarter against Oklahoma State. So that third quarter – and. Um, putting some some offensive drives together and scoring some points, I think will be a a, a big thing for them. But uh, defensively, they're just really you know they're giving a lot of praise to, to Utah State. They talk about how wide their splits are, and how they've got receivers that are almost on the sidelines, and how that uh, makes things tougher. There's a lot of one-on-one tackles and stuff. So um, you know they've got the, the leading receiver in the nation, as you guys know, uh, yards-wise, and then a good running back. I mean they they've been uh, giving Utah State a lot of praise this week, and so. Um, I think it's an interesting time for Boise State to be going down to Logan, a 10 a.m. game, obviously. And if Boise State had won the Oklahoma State game, maybe they're feeling good about themselves. Maybe it's a little more of a trap game. I don't know. Um, but they seem pretty pretty fired up to start conference play and put this game behind them. And I wonder if Utah State's maybe catching them at a bad time. B.J. Reigns, Boise State beat writer for the Idaho Press Tribune, joining us. Thanks for a few minutes. We appreciate it. No problem, guys. Take care. 10 a.m., CBS. Plenty of exposure. And to win a division game, PK, the Broncos don't lose in the Mountain Division. That's what he Not said. Not for five yeah. years. Well, this would be the greatest accomplishment, I think, in Blake Anderson's long and storied career at Utah State. <laughs> Start to dream big. I would love to see it just to set up BYU, USU undefeated, blah, 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 bring a little tension to the state. Obviously, we'll be all over it, but I mean, outside of the state, I'm talking yeah, about... Yeah, but 4-0 versus 4-0 gives it a little extra sizzle. There's just no question about that. Right. And you know, maybe Utah State can sneak into the rankings a little bit. Boy, uh, uh, the Cougars are already there, obviously. All right, DJ and PK, catching you up today on everything you missed in the show. We'll do that next. Stay with us. The Big Show. The Big Show. With Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. It's time for Wake's Takes. Joining us now as he does every single week, Mason Wake. Does this team realizing after three straight wins that if you take care of your business every week, something really extraordinary could happen? The first three games, we've kind of cheated ourselves. We haven't played at our best. Offense has started slow pretty much every game, and the fans really brought energy, and that's really helped us out. And we slowly got going, but that's just our mentality right now. Like, we can only beat ourselves. Having that mentality has been great for us, and we know that we're a special team, but we don't want to just harp on that too much. We just know if we don't shoot ourselves in the foot and we just go out there and play our game, then we can be pretty special. Catch the Big Show weekdays from 2 to 7. Presented by Big O' Tires. The team you trust. On 97.5 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Uh, that happened uh, yesterday. Charlie uh, had made the decision that he was uh, in his best interest to move on and uh, he thought about it for a day and uh, confirmed it today, but presented it yesterday. Kyle Whittingham on the timeline of Charlie Burr's decision. The senior quarterback leaving the University of Utah. Cam Rising's the starter. Jaquindon Jackson is now the backup for the conference opener against Washington State. You throw out grad transfers or only stay one uh, month, and BYU hasn't beaten Utah since 2009. <laughs> Heck of a qualifier. <laughs> wow. Thanks for a random observation. Let's just specify this down so we can really... A random observation that doesn't mean anything. 
Come on, they start camerizing, they beat BYU, don't they? If there's a fifth quarter in that Las Vegas Bowl. <laughs> no, just an extra five minutes. You don't need a whole 12 minutes or 15 if minutes. If they had been able to start a fifth quarter in that Las Vegas yeah. Bowl. <laughs> or if Bronco and the staff weren't out the Come door. On. Dreaming of paychecks. <laughs> Doubling my money. <laughs> oh, I'm going to buy you a big fancy car, honey. <laughs> Yeah, easily. Or if Detmer had some experience and knew to give Taysom more options on that two-point conversion, obviously they win that game. <laughs> you can just go hit some butts all the way through every game. That's the no, fun part of sports. Nobody won anything. <laughs> or you all won everything. If the refs make the right call and Robertson was out of bounds and they blow that ball dead, come on, they had that game. That game was theirs. That was obvious. Everybody knew that. <laughs> Charlie Brewer transfers out of Utah after three games. Shouldn't they be done with upperclassmen transfer quarterbacks? That's the question of the morning. And Joseph Leverage tweets at us, Utah needs to learn how to recruit and use a good quarterback. Defensively, they're normally really good. Offensively, they waste a lot of talent because they really have a quarterback who can consistently deliver their ball to their receivers and tight ends. You can't always just rely on your run game. Okay, this year they're delivering the ball to the tight ends. The tight ends are not the problem. Oh, no, they're really good. Right. Receivers. But we knew that. I know. No surprise. Right. Keithy coming back, proven commodity. We were told Kincaid was good. He's passed the eyeball test. They have the best tight end room in the conference. (laughs) (laughs) They do. Agreed. Yeah. You go in that tight end room and you just see excellence. There it is. It's like walking in and seeing John and Paul working on a song. (laughs) Wow. Let's go to Rick the Dishwasher, who actually got that reference. Rick, good morning. Oh, everybody got that reference. Good morning, guys. How are you, Rick? Uh, Not good. I got a vent. Huge. All right. When we played Weber, Mm -hmm. I didn't call you guys, but I said this immediately. (laughs) You You remember the first three drives against Weber? We threw nine out of 11 times. I said, that chicken, you know what, (laughs) Coach Whittingham, he won't do it again this year. Wait. Okay? He had the template from Urban Meyer, which is throw and pass 50% of the time. That way they can't load up on you. What does he think that means? It means run twice, pass once, run uh, once, pass twice. No, what it means is you have a whole series where you pass 90% of the time. Or you pass three out of three. That way they can't put nine in the box against us. Now, what's been happening for 10 years with our good teams that underachieve, first and goal, big down against a good team in a big game, run, 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 run. He takes. We're so conservative. Whittingham has no business touching or influencing these offensive coordinators that he changes like underwear. Unfortunately, now we got Ludwig, who makes Whittingham look like a crazy liberal. 
<laughs> Without a doubt, these last two games were lost by the coaching. You know, I'm going to have to. You're a crazy liberal, Rick. Yeah, Come I got on. Rick, Rick, am, Rick, this I'm is a voter for Biden. Who are you I'm to talk? I'm paying 20 I'm bucks a gallon for gas. I'm open-minded. Rick. Well, anyway. Oh, Rick, if you don't Rick you're up in the here. night. You're up in the night, Rick. You or can't. in the morning. Whoa, 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 whoa. Rick, whoa, whoa, whoa. Utah it, it, ran the ball 25 times against BYU and threw it 26. Whatever the problems were, it wasn't a 50-50 split problem. They literally split it. It's 51. They it, can't can't be, it can't be a split. When it's it's an odd number. When it's, they get behind, you have to do that. You have to pass a little more. They, they pass the ball on first down 10% of the time. It's ridiculous. It is totally coaching. Look at Huntley. Huntley was always accurate. We made him look terrible as a, as a, a passer because he had third and long more than any quarterback in the country. In the history of the game. What, what Whittingham does, first and two, we run. We get two yards or less. Okay, we don't want to get crazy. Let's just try to get a little more. That way third down's manageable. Let's run it again. I thought you just said he threw it like crazy have, against Weber. And, and, and then we have the first, the first three possessions we did. Nine out of 11. I said, he won't do that again. This oh, because he's chicken bleep. Yeah, I remember. No, yeah. Game yeah. one against a FCS opponent. He won't do that in the Pac-12. Nah, because he's chicken Whittingham bleep. would be an NFL defensive coordinator. He also had one good recruiting practice, which is, you know what? Go recruit athletes. Go recruit 10 quarterbacks who say they're athletes and think they can play Division One because they can't, and just convert them, and you'll have an NFL player. He does that right. He does. He also poaches talent. I mean, there is enough skilled player talent on this team that we're never going to know. Now, I will, I'll admit Brewer wasn't the answer. He, he, he's horrible. Yeah. But yeah. our offense doesn't make any quarter. And here's the last sin. Okay. We All right, last quarterback, one. Uh, original sin? We have a quarterback factory. Per capita, we turn out more good college players. And we have one school in this state that produces NFL quarterbacks every year. He doesn't even recruit them. It's a joke. Because California's got more talent out there. No, yeah. Utah, for quarterbacks, probably has just as good or and we're or one one hundredth of the population. Yeah. All right, thanks. Rick. That's just a legal residence. That's just a legal residence too. Yeah. Thanks for the call, Rick. We I appreciate mean, when it. you factor in the undocumented, I think it's more than one one hundredth. Threw it fifty eight times against San Diego State and ran it thirty one. So. <laughs> Yeah, but when they got behind, they had no choice. Oh, 58 31. It's not even close. It's yeah, but they got behind. They were behind the whole game. They have to throw it. I agree with what he's saying there. You, when you're behind, you have to throw it more. They needed to catch up in a hurry. Time and score were against them. Time and score did get a little in the fourth quarter, absolutely. But they were still throwing it before that. And nearly throwing pick sixes. Might as well have been. Caught him at the six. Or well, whatever. they did. Punched oh, pick six. So, yeah. Okay, they gotcha, did. They, gotcha, they caught gotcha. him, but yeah, okay. they still punched it. Okay, in. I, right. I understand. Well, I mean, they, but but what he's saying is a long term knock against the program. Is the problem they don't pass it enough, or the problem they don't throw it well enough? Because I think it's about the quality of the passing game, not the, the quantity. Yes, the efficiency. Yeah, but I the thought they game. did. Uh, I thought the, the Ludwig was a genius two years ago mm-hmm. with Tyler Huntley. He's, he completed like 70-some percent of his passes. Yep. I mean, what more do you want? But you That can't, was brilliant. Yeah, right, but we're not going to judge the program by its high watermark. That was literally the best offensive season they've had in the Pac-12. 
So we're going to judge it by its low watermark. No, I think you judge it by, <laughs> by the, the mean or the median or whatever. I don't know. I slept through that part of class. But the middle. <laughs> That's an easier word than the mean and the median. Or yeah. Right. What the, huh? Come on, man. No, Jeez. you shouldn't judge it. There's a reason they throw out the high score and the low score before they average the rest of them. There are outliers. Well... But the point I was making is that he was going with the coaching, not just judge it by that season. So he's cracking on Andy. Well, two years ago, Andy was a genius. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Andy doesn't now have to wear the whole last decade. <laughs> Andy doesn't have to wear the whole last decade. He wasn't here for it. No. no. So he was he's really good I, when he had Don't we really all good think players. the problem right now is the O-line can't block? That's why they – I'll give him this. Kyle would have run the ball more – if he thought they could block for the running game. But there's so many times the play is blown up as the handoff happens. Okay, That'll that get a, you that away from a, But the, at the same time... That'll get you away from the run game. Bernard ran for 100 and what, 40-something against the Cougars? That, that's pretty doggone good. It is. They didn't run it consistently against the Cougars. He had like four big carries. What's the difference, man? The ability to sustain drives. You go three and out and you get frustrated and you try something different. But then he breaks off a 50-yard run late in the game when you're trying to get back in it and get you down the field to set up a score. You're going to run for 150 yards, a single back. Do you take it, yes or no? Yeah, of course you take it. That's the bottom line. They move the ball. I, th- I think it boiled down to Brewer not being able to make plays when the perfect play wasn't drawn up. Right. And but it's a team game, man. Football's the I've been saying this for years. Football's the ultimate team game. So I'm not going to go. Uh, the the blame is solely on A. No, it's across the board. You name it. And the blame, spread the blame around. I really believe in football. It's a win and lose as a team of all the sports, and you and, and virtually any team sport, you're able to say that for sure. Uh, but it's my point I'm making is especially in football. That's why it, it the O-line is taking a lot of grief, and, and to agree, right. certainly justifiable. But now we're going to see the Cam what happens what, with Cam's, him. Cam's going to help the O-line out. Because, because he was the same O-line. The, the thing that surprised me is they didn't make the switch sooner against BYU. But I'm biased because I've been a rising guy. Because I got so sick of hearing about the four trillion yards he threw at Baylor. I kept saying, well, the 9, I don't 000, give a crap. The 9,000's turned into 10,000 because he was close to it. And just the few yards he picked up at Utah, now people say he's thrown for 10,000 yards. So what? But does he throw for 10,000 yards when the protection is right? He goes back, plants his foot. He's got the mechanics. His grandpa was a quarterback at Texas. His dad was a quarterback at Texas. His mother knows quarterback play. But... The way it's working for Utah right now, you got to be able to throw on the move, off platform. Yeah, and fourth and in two chaos. with the game on the line, he overthrew Covey right. by like 80 feet. I think it was Covey. Maybe it wasn't. Kalani could have made a running catch on that one and <laughs> scored. It was Covey. Yeah. I mean, the pass was just not even close to the mark it needed to and be. So now they've and got it was a guy. a short throw. Now they got to go and throw on the move. And he has swag. And so will that but help the O line out? Yes, of course it will. We already saw, we've already seen that. And will they focus the passing game on the tight ends? Because the receivers aren't that good. The tight ends are where it's at. And, and actually, Bernard's a really good receiver as a running back. Throw him the ball, too. I'm 100% on board with throwing the ball to the running backs and the tight ends. 
Solomon Enos looks mm-hmm. like the one wide receiver. And Covey's a slot guy. You can throw him the ball. Yeah, I mean, but so they don't, now we're down they don't where you got two wideouts now. A slot and a, what's the difference? When they're down the field, well, you're not most a slot formations, guy. Most formations, they're going to run two guys out there. I just wouldn't put two of them on the field. <laughs> Tight end, slot guy. Your best receivers aren't the wide receivers. and You tend to go to the X and the Y. What are we bringing chromosomes for? The X, Y, Z, they love one, two, three, whatever. Covey, Keithy, Kincaid, keep throwing those guys the ball. Line them up wherever you want, throw those guys the ball. They're the ones who get yeah, open and make I would, catches. I wouldn't toss Howard out like he's trash. The guy's made some big plays, particularly uh, down in Pasadena. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. The other stuff, Ben Simmons says he will not report for training camp with the 76ers. PK, he is due for four years' worth of money that will total $145 million. If he doesn't show up, he doesn't get paid. Oh, I say call the bluff. Call the call bluff. His bluff. You're not going to be able to trade him. What are you getting for him? Just sit there. Okay, fine, Ben. Now, that'd be awesome. <laughs> I'm going to sit at You play basketball for enormous amounts of money. And you won't do it? $33 million for 82 games this year. Jeez, man. Ben Roethlisberger left pectoral injury. They don't know how it happened. He got sacked a couple times in the Raider game. Tyrod Taylor is out in Houston. He's on injury reserve with a hamstring injury. And Jackson Dart did not practice Tuesday. Had the knee injury in that uh, blowout win at Washington State. Got hit running early in the game. Slovis is back, though. He took the first-team reps and... See if Dart can practice today. So the quarterback competition this week may not happen. If Dart's not healthy, then that solves that. Who do the Trojans have this week? they got Oregon State. Oh, that's right. I knew they had a team they should win. All right, that's what we've been talking about. When we come back, your feedback. Stay with us. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. Join Hanson Scotty at University Federal Credit Union at the Ranches Branch on Friday from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. 3535 Ranches Parkway in Eagle Mountain. <laughs> How ticked off are BYU fans going to be when Bronco ruins their quest for perfection? Road wins and home losses tweeted that out. I, I, quote, I, tweet, I uh, quote tweeted and said, irregardless of the eventual final score, an excellent tweet here. Terry, irregardless, did PK hack your Twitter account? <laughs> <laughs> it's been proven to be a word. Some of my greatest calls, don't learn the text line, irregardless eventually will be a word, and go with Cam Rising because he has swag. (laughs) I said it. I was the lone voice in the wilderness. People were coming at me all over the place, but I stood my ground, and I said, truth is truth. Tom Petty? Stand my ground. I wasn't thinking that. Back down. I was willing to stake my reputation on it, and it turned out to be right. Charlie Brewer transfers out of Utah after three games. Shouldn't they be done with upperclassmen transfer quarterbacks? And Tom says talent isn't the problem. San Diego State knew which play was coming for three and a half quarters. They cheated? So what happened? They just decided, okay, we're going to... Now we're not going to be predictable and we're going to mix it up. (laughs) Everybody knew what was coming at the end. They were going to throw on every down because they were against the clock. And they had success. The last couple of possessions, it was clear what had to happen. There was a time to go downfield and... 
San Diego State doesn't even time. count as a loss, as far as I'm concerned. Some <laughs> stupid trumped-up two-point play. Strike it from the record. I mean, that's a joke. So, it's, so they're 1-1-1 one, one, and one in your mind? They got a soccer no, tie one on their schedule? The, oh, the, the game didn't happen. Well, It vaporized. A two-point play? We just made up this rule this year Yep. because a bunch of 18- to 22-year-olds are tired. And and what for what? What do we do? It's all cosmetic. It's political that we can't continue to play football. The Utes were gassed after that one play in overtime. They probably should have they'd give it a fifteen minute break then between each uh, overtime possession. I mean, it's political. It's ridiculous. You can you can be injured just as much on the first play of the game as the two hundredth play. What have you? Come on, that's that's stupid. Utah Big Crew Tailgate, I love you, Utah football. You complete me. Go Utes. Who loves them? Who's com- One of their fans. Utah Pig Tailgate. So they're f- what completes him, though? Utah football completes him. He loves Utah football. It's a fan, despite the one and two start, who is still in love with his Utes. Great. I love that. And that those are our guys. There you go. What's his name? Utah Pig Tailgate. Utah Pig Tailgate, I hope you're listening, man, because you're the guy we, if you're a guy, if not, I don't care who you are, uh, you're who we target. We target passionate fans. For all of Rick the Dishwasher's blah, 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 he's a passionate passionate guy. Yeah, hilariously passionate. I love his passion. Even when he doesn't make sense, he's hilarious. Yeah. Uh, Chris says, that was great sports talk radio with DJ PK and Riley Jensen. They released the Kraken. (laughs) What is (laughs) Why did he go there? There was passion. He was fired up. There was a love of the game. Well, Riley obviously has a love of football. That's absolutely. Fact. That was the funny thing he said early on. I don't know why, but I'm so excited about football season. Like, because you're a football guy. <laughs> you're excited about every football season. Uh, I mean, uh, BYU or uh, Boise, Utah State is the game I'm most fired up for this week. And then with Rising. And the fact that the Utes have been just drumming into our heads, they're 0-0, zero and zero. You, you better win because then that takes away all your momentum. We're going to come next week. Well, you know, we've lost uh, three in a row, but no team is going to go undefeated, so we still have a chance. That really sounds stupid at that point. We're really struggling. The bye week has come at the perfect time. That's what we'll hear. I yeah, say, but it's about the race. I don't think we're going to hear it. I think they're going to win, don't you? Oh, yeah, 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 definitely. Having watched Washington State twice this year and come away not impressed. I think they're going to win, and they're going to be 1-0, and then we're going to have that bye and set up a huge game. Utah's defense is going to do a good job against the Washington State offense. The Utah offense isn't going to have to score a lot of points to win a game. Uh, yeah, but you want them to. This is a not a very I, I good defense. That. So if, yeah. Yeah, if they win 10-7, to I don't you think do, there's going to be a lot, away with a lot of momentum. Yeah. yeah, They come away with a win, but what will the offense look like? They need to get going here, man. Time is now. Conference is starting. They're 0-0. Zero zero. It'll be through the uh, Thanksgiving weekend. It's between er- everything for their season is now to the Saturday after Thanksgiving. And now someone, <laughs> in response to the Bronco Ruins, our quest for perfection uh-huh. with the BYU-Virginia game, has tweeted, Go Roscoe! And there's that shot from ESPN. Oh, the Texas Roscoe game. Mendenhall during the Texas game. I was sitting there watching it on my computer <laughs> in the Coliseum, uh, Utah... USC. USC, and saw that, and uh, uh-oh, this is going to be a field at Roscoe. Where the Roscoe? What? Who's named Roscoe? What are you doing? Wasn't there a tennis player named Roscoe? What are you doing? Yeah, Roscoe Tanner. 
Is that what it was? Yeah, yeah. So. Okay, yeah. That's like the only Roscoe I know. Uh, wasn't it Dukes of Hazard? Well, that's not a real person. <laughs> that's the point. <laughs> All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 12.80 The Zone. Hands and Scotty, or as we like to call him, Roscoe. Coming up next, stay with us.